hour in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. You're on with Gene and Chris on the Paracast. We are also joined by Gogs Mackay, one of our friendly forum moderators, who will be joining us for the session this week. Now, before we start things off and get into kind of a lighter vein, we do have, obviously, the sad news this week that our favorite alien visitor, Mork, is no longer around. Robin Williams' death at the age of 63 was especially sad because he felt things were so bad in his life that he had to commit suicide. And I know people who have felt depressed in their lives, I occasionally suffer from depression. I just wonder what makes a person want to do something like that. So our hearts go out to Robin Williams' family. He has a daughter, Zelda, who's an actress, by the way, and we wish her the best, and it'll be interesting to see where her career goes. Robin Williams. Chris, let's go to something a little bit lighter. There's an item in our forums where this production company is trying to set up some kind of paranormal dating show, a reality show. What the heck is that about? <laughs> I don't know, Gogs. What do you think? I saw the, the, the post and I just I had to uh, click through to something else. Uh, I just I mean, what will they think of next? They're really scraping the bottom of the barrel. Like Gene, I thought maybe it was some kind of um, spam email or something, but I did uh, have a look. I typed into YouTube the username. There was some kind of a account there, and she has got back to us kind of uh, apologizing for making us think that it may have been spam or something. But m- my comment basically is I think she was looking for people between, I don't know, 18, 25 to 35 or so, but isn't it the case that in the paranormal field, the average age, certainly in ufology, is, you know, 50s and above? There's not that many young people. I think, I think that's an understatement. I think it's up in yes. the 60s. Unless they're having like a, a dating show for septuagenarian <laughs> divorcees, then I think they're aiming <laughs> in the wrong age bracket. <laughs> also, I don't think we'd attract millennials that way. I think we turn them off. Really? I mean, you have to think here how desperate TV production companies are to find the next breakout show. You know, I'm still trying to get over Storage Wars. And I don't believe for a second this paranormal one that they were going to play it straight. There would have been something up their sleeves, I think. Yeah. They would have been, you know, making fun of people, probably promising that they wouldn't. But then there would have been something up their sleeves for sure. No. Boy, I'll tell you, they are. They're scraping the bottom of the concept barrel. (laughs) Jeez. I thought Hangar 1, the show that MUFON is involved in, was scraping the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. Well, boy, was I wrong. Well, Well, I've also got some interesting news. Uh, I just spoke with someone that returned from the contact in the desert. It was like some sort of conference that they had 40 speakers at. And it turned into an absolute nightmare. There was uh, a speaker riot. The power went off. Uh, they had 2,000 people uh, way over fire code. All the porta potties were stopped up and filled up to the brim. They had no water. Two days before the conference, they instituted special extra costs for speakers, 40 and $60 if you wanted to see the, the top marquee speakers. They were charging $65 for lunch, $10 for a burrito. 
this is just unconscionable. People were forced, they, they booked too many vendors. They forced the uh, overflow vendors to be outside in, in 110 degree heat. What a nightmare. These Who's behind people this? probably generated a half a million dollars uh, just in, in entry passes for the entire uh, show. And this is absolutely unconscionable. I think it's almost criminal. Well, it sure does great for the UFO field to have disasters like that. Yeah, I had a feeling about it. And I told my friend, I said, I, I wouldn't go to that and see that uh, assemblage of, well, I, pardon me, uh, some of the people are just out, uh, downright wacky that were, were on the uh, speakers list. I mean, there were some serious uh, speakers there. Nick was there, both Nick's, Pope and Redfern. Jim Mars was there. So they did have some, I think, serious researchers there. But then they padded it out with, with some just, I mean, wacky types. And, you know, if this is the, the direction that ufology is going in, do not use that word in my, in my name in the same sentence. It's it just, I, I'm, I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed to be associated in any way with the field, with these types of charlatan P.T. Barnum types uh, getting involved and, and getting 2,000 people to go to the desert and not having water. I mean, hello. Yeah, first and foremost, just on a safety point and going over the fire code and stuff, just, just these basic things, never mind the you know $10 burrito and things like that, which is bad enough. But, you know, to put people at risk in a, you know, a place that, well, let's, let's face it, the desert in summer is extremely dangerous yeah. for dehydration, sunstroke, these kind of things. Especially there around Joshua Tree in the Colorado desert. Uh, hey, last year, Stephen Greer, as bodyguards, locked the doors and wouldn't let anybody out. And then David Wilcock came in and did the same thing. Oh, is I, it the same one? Yeah, the same uh, oh. Yeah, it's the same yeah. conference. You know, I can't wait to uh, to get some confirmation on some of the horror stories that I that I've heard. Uh, I mean, I, you know, the person that told me all this, uh, I, I trust implicitly, and I don't think he was exaggerating. He literally left. He just he just walked out in disgust. He was only there from about noon to five o'clock, and uh, he just walked out in, in absolute disgust. He just could not believe it. Oh boy, I don't know. I worry here what's happened with a lot of these UFO events is that they mix the really solid people with the extremes. And MUFON has started doing that right. without going into great detail. We'll be getting into it later. There's a story in New York Magazine called The End of UFOs by Mark Jacobson. It was cited in an article by our guest today, Micah Hanks, entitled The End of Ufology, Why Serious Research Goes Underground. Now, to preface this, in our last two shows, we had a more traditional approach to UFO investigation. We featured Don Berliner, who's been around since, well, the 1950s. He ain't a young guy anymore. And also Stanton Friedman, both people above the age of 80, both presenting a very traditionalist view of the subject. Previously, we had James Carrion, author of The Rosetta Deception, who's talking about the involvement of military disinformation, possibly in early UFO encounters. In fact, there's an active discussion over at our forums at forum.theparacast.com. And it's possible Stanton Friedman will participate. We know James Carrion has been there, a very vociferous participant, kind of engaging with <laughs> our members. This is getting really fascinating where it's going to go. I'm only worried it might get a little personal. Sometimes that happens with forum posts. You know, people sit there and they get so involved in their arguments, they get a little personal, so we have to cut back on it. 
But yeah. we're really getting an incredible amount of response for it. We've had a couple of messages that have been posted on behalf of Stanton Friedman. There's going to be a lot more. So we'll have to see where that goes. Before we get on to Micah Hanks, I was talking with Chris about something here. You see, we've got a lot of really fascinating changes that we're preparing to help the Paracast reach the next level. I mean, really get out there, more friendly, user-friendly to our listeners, easier to listen to the show, address some of your comments and complaints. A lot of changes are coming. But to keep you notified, we want you to subscribe to our newsletter. So we have a newsletter. If you go to theparacast.com, right there, above the fold, there's a place to subscribe to the Paracast newsletter, free every week. And to get you to sign up, we're going to give you an incentive, okay? Chris has volunteered to donate one of his e-books. Chris, which book do you think you want to give him? Well, I think a good one uh, would be Secrets of the Mysterious Valley, which is kind of the story of uh, spending 10 years, excuse me, investigating high levels of weirdness in Southern Colorado. And it it gives uh, a pretty good uh, sense and feel of what it's like to run around and put 300,000 miles on your truck. Secrets okay. of the Mysterious Valley, ebook free. If you go to theparacast.com and sign up for our newsletter. Micah Hanks joining Gene, Chris, and Goggs. You're in the Paracast. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TechNightOwl for a special discount. First game attack of the rockoids and it was a critically acclaimed success and now there is the coming of the protectors a former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream a dream that turns out to be a nightmare because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the earth this is gripping science fiction of the classic kind attack of the rockoids and the coming of the protectors find out more at rockoids.com that's rockoids r-o-c-k-o-i-d-s dot com Gold, it's like nothing else on Earth. From the Romans through the Renaissance, from the Industrial Age to the Space Age, gold has weathered the test of time. For 6,000 years, gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth. According to the World Gold Council and the U.S. Mint, demand is at an all-time high. The stage is being set for the reemergence of gold as the common-sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day. Midas Resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with the truth you need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-2237 for the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As Good As Gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237. Question. Could too many GMO foods and toxins be overloading your digestive and immune systems? Answer, yes. If you're searching for a powerful detox that's gentle enough to use every day, use Pro-EM1 from Terraganics. 
Pro-EM1 is a powerful liquid probiotic that uses good bacteria to suppress pathogens and gently eliminate toxins from your body. A healthy digestive system will cleanse and remove toxins, support weight loss, improve absorption of food nutrients, and aid in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM1 is made with only non-GMO and certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is dairy, soy, wheat, and gluten-free. Pro-EM1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganix.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Also available through Amazon Prime. Pro-EM1 from Terraganix. Life's getting better. Moms of America, stand up and stop taking abuse from your kids. I pledge never to let my kid disrespect me ever again. I pledge to stop letting my daughter walk all over me. I pledge to stop living in fear of my son's anger. I pledge never to feel like a bad parent ever again. Because I'm not. I pledge to stop letting my child's behavior control my home. I pledge to be a mom with kids who listen. A total transformation mom. I'm Janet Lehman, co-creator of the Total Transformation Program. We created the Total Transformation to help parents with difficult child behavior. Now I'm giving it away free. All you need to do is get the program and let us know how it works for you. We'll let you keep it for free. Call 1-800-256-7795. That's 1-800-256-7795. Call now. Call 1-800-256-7795. That's 1-800-256-7795. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. With Gene and Chris and Gogs McKay, we're back at the Paracast. We welcome our old friend Micah Hanks to the show. And before we got started, I was noting the avatar he uses for his Skype messages. And, you know, most of us, you know, will either show a picture of ourselves or maybe put on some kind of costume or maybe show something that represents what we're interested in. Maybe a picture of your dog or something or a child or a significant other. Instead, Micah Hanks appears without his mask for the first time. Micah, (laughs) explain this. It's the real me, yeah. Well, my Skype avatar, and this has been ever since I actually got a Skype account, because when I when I got one, it was for purpose of doing radio and podcasting, uh, either me being an interviewee or contacting somebody else for an interview on one of my shows. And so I always use the traditional Graylian emblem, which is the little green guy known as the Graylian, that word being a portmanteau between, well, it's a couple of things, gray alien, but there's also the Holy Grail reference. It's just kind of a a whole like slew of mythology and symbolism all packed into one word. So I like people to think that I actually look like that, though. Big black eyes, green skin, you know, bald head. Yeah, I'm an alien. (laughs) We could have you speak on helium and you can come across as Mork, maybe. (laughs) Exactly, right? (laughs) Right. You learned back in the 70s how to say nano nano. Ah, indeed. Yeah. And of course, you know, mentioning uh, Mork, you know, I think we've all had that on our minds and everything. So, you know, it's good to remember the funny little alien guy, I think, the better times, uh, of course, referencing the late uh, Robin Williams. So he's been on everybody's mind lately, I guess, a little. I remember one time he appeared on the Johnny Carson Tonight Show. This was back in the early 80s, the first time he goes in the show. And normally with a comedian, what they will do is they will have you do your act. And eventually, Johnny will ask you to sit down at the desk. 
which is this place of honor because you're getting special attention. So he sits down at the desk, does his shtick, and then he picks up the cup from which Johnny's drinking. He takes a zip, and then he says, well, don't worry, the sores have healed. <laughs> oh, boy, yeah. Well, you know, Robin, he had that kind of a, a funny kind of an off-kilter thing. You never really knew what to expect with. Some people might say the same of, uh, of me or, or, or Chris O'Brien or maybe even Eugene. You never really know exactly where to or what to expect from people like that. Maybe that's a true sign of brilliance, but I think one thing remains indisputable, and that is that you know Robin Williams, remembering him, he was indeed, I think, a brilliant guy. It's just so sad that we see some of these people, and my aunt, I think, put it most poignantly when she said, how is it that the people who always make us laugh so much are the ones always crying on the inside? Well, the yeah, sad it's really cloud. Sad. It's true. All it that is. pain comes out in his manic state, which that very much was. It came out, and he was brilliant. Mm-hmm. But then he had this sad side of him that's so unfortunate. Let's move on to some other subjects. I don't know if it's sad or not, and this kind of relates to that article that you wrote at your blog, which I think is a good starting. It's quoting this article from... New York Magazine. Now, when New York Magazine writes about UFOs, that in and of itself is almost a miracle. (laughs) I would agree. (laughs) Right. Now, this article from Mark Jacobson is called The End of UFOs, and he went to a MUFON event in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, which is just outside Philadelphia. And apparently, attendance is down. He claimed that the estimates were about 400, which is a little bit below average for UFO events these days. It's not thousands, except for that contact in the desert where they had 2,000 people and it was a mess. But anyway, the thing he said here is the fact that the people who participate these events are getting older. And unfortunately, it doesn't seem to be attracting as many younger people. So the impression here is the speakers and those attending are very old and the field may be dying. And I guess that's what he means by the end of UFOs. Not that people aren't seeing UFOs, but we thought what we think of as the UFO field is gone away or is going away. What's your sense? Well, it's a really important subject to, uh, to talk about. And I was, I was very pleased to hear that you guys wanted to talk a little about this. In addition to the fact that I was amazed at the response I've gotten to my article, which although I titled it The End of Ufology, why UFOs essentially, I think, in the study of UFOs are going underground, it's a bit of a rebuttal to Jacobson's article. This has been something I've seen people talking about for a couple of years. And there are a few factors that should be taken into consideration in relation to this. One, many say that the bygone day of UFO sightings and events, we're talking about hardcore physical landing traces, a great big dome-shaped or you know, so, you know, cigar-shaped object or a, a saucer or something landed. We saw people getting out of it. You know, we had radiation burns. You see a lot of this in the classic, the A profiles, you know, the days of NICAP, you know, especially throughout the 50s, 60s, and 70s. We don't seem to have And I think it's a fair statement to make. We don't seem to have that level of interactiveness, I think, with the phenomenon. And my colleague Nick Redfern has kind of lamented the fact that in modern times, with all the technology we have available to us, it seems that almost the best that we can get are ambiguous lights in the sky and things which really, whether or not we can say this is or is not anomalous, very little can be determined. And so if there were a level of interactiveness with this phenomenon that maybe once was, one would say, first and foremost, maybe technology that we have available to us today 
should allow for a better representation of this phenomena and maybe better documentation. Now, you could say that that's you know, a valid statement, and, and also you could say that it's not. I kind of am on the fence on that because I think that what we're dealing with is a phenomenon and a technology that is not probably, we take for granted how difficult it probably would be to document this and also the levels of, of you know, how human behavior comes into play in relation to how you respond to something that seems so foreign. Another thing is, is that, of course, this was something that was so incredible and had such an impact on human culture, especially in the Western world during the 50s, 60s, 70s, and even the 80s and 90s, that a lot of the kind of dwindling interactiveness of the UFO phenomenon has led to, according to some, less involvement by young researchers. Now, I just want to be upfront. People hear my voice, and because uh, you know, I guess it's my southern accent or something. A lot of people think I'm in my 40s or 50s. No joke. I'm 31 years old. I think I'm a pretty good example of somebody who is young, who is interested in this field. But the other thing too that I think is important to say, and this isn't an attack against conferences, because I've been a conference planner myself in the past. But I think that what we see at conferences, and this is exactly what Jacobson was talking about in his article. We see at conferences a representation of the field with people who often are people who are greats, who have made a name and who have spent years researching. And so often they will be discussing things at a conference that happens today that they maybe researched decades ago. And that's good because it definitely brings a lot of new people and a lot of new minds to this and brings interest to the subject. But by the same token, I think that there's another issue that, um, that comes about at these conferences, and that is that there are the so-called UFO celebrities who may not have as much to say, but who are the popular figures we see on television shows and things like that. Maybe there's no way to say that, guys. That doesn't sound like a criticism, but I think that in truth, and castigate me if, if, if it must be, but I think that there comes a time where we have to say, really, what is ufology? And when people are launching criticisms based on TV shows they watch and on events that they attend... Is that a valid criticism of what UFO research actually is? I simply think it's not. The average person who would have grown up and um, got into ufology and the the average age of the kind of uh, conference attendee, they grew up going to the movies, sitting around a television with the family, watching TV, the radio, things like that. But maybe part of the problem is that today's younger generation, they get all their media from smartphones and the internet and they consume media in a different way. You know, it's just not their thing to be attending conferences and stuff. And maybe we need to move forward in that way and catch the younger people, you know, the, the methods of media that they are into. We have Micah Hanks joining Gene, Chris and Goggs. You're in the Paracast. Independently leading the way for the nation. Compelling talk for every political persuasion. We are GCN. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at WebTV.net. Find out what they don't 
don't want you to know. I'm Kay Swirling from KSCO Radio in Santa Cruz. I'm 93 years old, and I'm a big fan of Alex Jones because he has the courage to speak his mind more than just about anyone I know. Alex is just as bothered as I am about all the advertising you hear for toxic prescription drugs that make you sicker, not healthy. I prefer to give my body all 90 essential nutrients it needs for life to prevent disease, not compounded. My favorite complete supplement is Beyond Tangy Tangerine from Longevity, which I take every day along with EFA Plus and Beyond OsteoFX. I recommend you go online to InfoWarsTeam.com to purchase these products and make them part of your daily regimen to get healthy and live longer. InfoWarsTeam.com Policies issued by American General Life Insurance Company, Houston, Texas. Not available in all states. For details, visit AIGdirect.com. It takes a lot of courage to face your own death, but I'm glad I finally did. See, I was putting off getting life insurance to protect my family, even though I knew it was important. Then my neighbor's husband died. I watched her struggle emotionally and financially. It really made me face reality. If my husband died, how would I pay the mortgage, the car payments, or keep up the life the kids and I had? I realized I needed to get us life insurance right away. So I called AIG Direct. In less than five minutes, I had a quote. I was shocked at how affordable it is. Just $14 a month for $250,000 of term life coverage. I feel so much better knowing my family has protection. Call AIG Direct right now for a free no-obligation quote. The call takes less than five minutes, and you can save up to 70%. Call now, 1-800-463-7479. That's 1-800-463-7479. 1-800-463-7479. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years in serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey. Berkey water filtration systems. The Berkey light systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey light system today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. This is Jacques Vallée. You're listening to the Paracast the gold standard of paranormal radio. Folks, just want to remind you that if you sign up for our newsletter, the official PowerCast newsletter, you do that by going to thepowercast.com, thepowercast.com, and there's a big sign-up section there. Those who sign up, We'll get a copy of the ebook version of Chris O'Brien's Secrets of the Mysterious Valley. Let's progress here. We're talking about the state of ufology, a very important point here. 
the gogs made, and I think Micah understands that, that the people you want to attract into this field, the people you want to attract, unfortunately, they don't go to traditional conventions. And, of course, the conventions themselves, they're like Disneyland. They're pretty expensive. You have to spend, what, two, $300 for a ticket. And someone who's 25 years old and they're just kind of getting on in the working world, they have student loans to pay off, spending a couple hundred dollars and then some for a UFO convention, paying for the hotel, paying for the overpriced food. You know, that's too much for them. If you want to reach these people, you have to do it in a different way. You know, maybe online chats, something. Micah, what do you think? Again, you know, I think that uh, we have to be careful uh, in, in the way that we discuss this, because I've got a lot of friends, for instance, you know, in MUFON. Gene, I know that you've you know, been a member of MUFON for years. And, uh, you know, the recent MUFON conference was uh, the one that was not so much criticized, but which was kind of evaluated in this article that Mark Jacobson wrote. And so I don't want to come across as being someone who's attacking MUFON. And I think that there were, in fairness, a lot of researchers who take issue with things that have happened with MUFON. Just recently, you guys had James Carrion on the program, which, of course, to me is an extremely interesting conversation having to do with ghost rockets. We can address that later. But again, he's a man who I think uh, maybe comes away from that circumstance feeling more than a bit disenfranchised after his experience. And I think rightly so. I, I respect him a lot. And I think he's a great researcher. A lot of people in the community don't. And so when we look at an organization like MUFON, especially when they're putting on an event, you know, it's not a direct criticism against them. I think we have to understand that when it comes to a UFO event, just like you said, Gene, and boy, are you right. Having planned conferences and attended conferences and spoken at conferences myself, I know that there are a lot of aspects that we have to take into consideration, not just the cost of the ticket, which on average is about, you know, from event to event, I'd say maybe a good average is $250. If you are not local to that event, airfare is going to cost you, you know, what, anywhere from if you're lucky, $250 to as much as $700, depending on where you're going. And then the cost of the luggage, the cost of anything they can add to that ticket to Absolutely. take it away from you. Yeah, your hotel, your lodging, your food, and also you got to take into consideration that because there is a bit of an industry about around this, and I don't think that's a bad thing. You know, I think that if an if an author has put hard work, but you know, I know you guys know this, especially you, Chris. If an author has put maybe decades of research into something, do they not have the right to go and sell that book and make as much damn money as they can? Yeah, they do. You you are right that they do, and I agree because I'm a writer too. But people go to these events and they want to buy those books and the authors have a right to sell them. And so there is this industrial kind of component to it. And all that factors into mean that you may spend more than $1,000 if you want to go to an event like this. And yet the funny thing is knowing from you know organizing conferences that a lot of these conference organizers, they aren't just rich. They aren't making tons of money doing this stuff. So it's an interesting kind of a dichotomy that we see emerge where I think people are both attempting and hoping you know, to invest in, and make money. And by the same token, they're also trying to promote something that we as people interested in UFOs want to see more of. So where is the failing here? And it is a bit strange. So we have, again, a non-UFO oriented source, you know, like New York Magazine coming out and talking about the end of UFOs. And it is a little strange to me because, and it wasn't the first time this has been said, I was at the International UFO Congress. Both you guys were there, in fact. Gogs, I don't think you made it to that one, but um, or if you were, I apologize if I'm wrong. But, but I know at least three of us were at that in 2013. I was lecturing that year on my book, The UFO Singularity. The skeptical bloggers, Robert Schaefer, of course, who I've spoken with a few times in the past, he was there. But a lot of the skeptical bloggers were talking about 
you know, the, the, the issues that different people were bringing up at the conference. And there was this big hubbub about, are we seeing the end of ufology? Is the field eating itself? We've seen this whole issue with Bigelow and all these things with MUFON. You know, it's just collapsing in on itself. And I'm thinking, but that's always what people from outside the circles of UFO research have to say. Micah, they have been saying that for 40 years. <laughs> yeah. They've been saying the same thing. The UFO field is failing. People have given it up. They're not interested. And then, of course, you have a couple of sightings to get into the papers, and it's back there again. And we seem to forget here that in 2012 and 2013, there were numerous UFO sightings around the world. So maybe we don't have millennials going to UFO conventions, but a lot of people are sure seeing them. Look at uh, the Stephenville case, you know, from a few years ago, Stephenville, Texas. I actually had a I consider a very good photograph that was sent along to me by a friend who had been contacted by a police officer in the area. And he told an incredible story. The story went like this, that he and his partner were traveling on in their their, uh, police car. They said that there was dash cam video of this that they were not entitled at that time to release. And to my knowledge, it was never released. But what they said was that they were responding to a report of lights in a field within the vicinity of Stephenville, Texas. As they're driving out, they see two orange orbs kind of hovering over this, this wide area. And they get out of the car. Now, it is pretty standard that in in many cases, police officers do keep uh, cameras with them. There was a case back in 2000, I think, in southern Illinois that involved multiple police departments chasing one of these large triangle aircraft similar to those that were reported over Stephenville back in, I think, was it 2008, guys? I think it was 2008. Yeah. So in this instance, yes, this police officer also had a camera. They say as they watch these orange orbs begin to ascend upward as they come up within you know just a few maybe feet few yards of them they get out of the car and they're ascending upward toward another object a large triangular craft with three points of light on the on the corners that's also ascending upward and as it is ascending at a high rate of speed they say that the orange orbs uh, travel upward and connect with it which let's point out is consistent with the belgian triangle cases from the 1990s and the, the you know the idea that there are these independently moving orbs that will ascend toward and move independently with and then later rejoin the center portion of the of the base of one of these triangular craft is whatever that technology is whoever's that is it seems extremely exotic extremely advanced and there were pretty good photographs taken of this that were sent along to me, which, of course, I've published at GraylianReport.com. What's even more compelling is that this was a police officer purportedly who was saying that and he remained anonymous. And that's the big problem that we face, of course, in this field is that great photograph, great story. And a person who, by virtue of his position with police, couldn't talk about his what had actually happened and give his actual name as a member of law enforcement. But so many aspects of that were consistent with what was already being reported. Angela Joyner had been commenting on this back down there at the time this was happening which some say even led to her losing her job as a reporter. And it was consistent with other cases where these large triangles have been seen, 2000 in Illinois, the 1990s in Belgium. So certainly there are cases that are better representations than the ambiguous lights that the mainstream media constantly tries to you know, force feed us and call them UFOs. And I think that that's where a lot of the laugh factor comes from is that maybe with the, with the saturation of media today and the availability of it worldwide on the web, the stuff that we are given and, and, and told is, oh, here's a UFO, it's, it's hardly the best representation of the phenomenon. One of the big problems we see here, of course, is the emphasis, and we're guilty of it, the emphasis on these classic cases. So it's all about Roswell. And of course, we'll get into it later when James Carrion did his book, The Rosetta Deception. And by the way, he's offering it free at his website right now. And there's a link in our forums if you want to get a copy. If you bought a copy already, he's not going to send you a refund for a printed copy. But he's got the ebook version he's offering free. The key here is he's talking about efforts during and after World War II 
to engage in disinformation, primarily to impact the Russians. But the point here is that maybe some of the early UFO events were not real. They were test aircraft. They were real in that sense, but they weren't spaceships or anything unusual. And we're still focusing a lot on that, but we have to come back to all the sightings people have reported in recent years. There's a big number of UFO cases from Canada where I saw one in which some children had this very detailed drawing of the craft that they saw. And it's pretty clear from the description, it's not conventional, and it's not a military test aircraft, I wouldn't think. Maybe that happened with the early UFO cases that kind of got this field started off, but not now. But unfortunately, we continue to have to focus on that, and reality TV shows about UFOs also focus heavily on the stuff that isn't always credible. We've got Micah Hanks, who's credible. We've got Gene and Chris and Goggs in the Paracast. You're listening to GCN, proudly sponsored by UnseenNow.com. Lock down your digital life at UnseenNow.com. This is GCN. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. I didn't believe it. Neither did I. No way could you professionally remove unwanted hair, pain-free, and at home. My thoughts exactly. Remove my face and body hair without expensive, painful office visits. Not possible. Great minds think alike. Until I tried No-No Pro. Mm-hmm. Wait, you tried No-No? Yes, and it works. I use it on my face, legs, bikini line. We're BFFs, and you didn't tell me about No-No? Here, this is my new No-No Pro. The most powerful No-No made. Custom treatment levels, less hair in less time, perfect for any skin type. Try it. No hair, no pain, no time consuming expensive office visits no no and no no for a limited time you can try no no pro risk-free you'll also get the facial kit and a travel case get weeks of long-lasting results that's it i'm getting a no no great minds do think alike (laughs) try no no pro risk-free by calling 800-952-5760 800-952-5760 that's 800-952-5760 800-952-5760 How's your pH today? Are you acidic? How alkaline is your blood and body? What is the pH of the water you drink? We are AlkaVision, and we have the answers. Drinking pure, high-alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining vibrant health and high energy because bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline, high-pH environment. If your drinking water isn't at a pH level of 8 or higher, boost it with AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops. Our unique formula will alkalize your water, ridding your body of harmful toxins and acid, and help regain energy and health. Simply add 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops to help your body rid itself of acidic 
waste, increase oxygen, and raise the pH of your body to optimal levels. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com. Spelled A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 800-518-7615. 800-518-7615. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com. What good is a big Berkey water filter? We get that question a lot here at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And in a word, the answer is protection. Protection from water main breaks, E. coli contamination, environmental chemical spills, pesticide runoff, chlorine taste and smell, and all forms of fluoride. Plus, Big Berkey Water Filters are the original gravity water filter system and most trusted on the market for a reason. Tested by multiple independent NSF EPA certified labs, they are the gold standard in water purification. At only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters Filters can last for five to ten years. That means big savings. Big Berkey, the one that's powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get a Big Berkey today at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit our website or call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. Hello, this is Rosemary Ellen Guiley, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Gogs Mackay joins Gene and Chris in the Paracast with Micah Hanks, and we're talking about I don't know. Ain't it awful? The sad state of ufology. Is that what it's all about? <laughs> Somewhat. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's, you know, I'd like to, to kind of chime in here uh, quickly. I, I also see the detrimental blurring of the lines uh, with some of these uh, CGI hoaxes that are being touted as real by unscrupulous websites. I think that we're seeing a, the rise of a kind of a mythological, uh, version of these uh, uh, images. And what I mean by that is I think many of these hoaxes are easy to spot because they are fanciful, uh, you know, creations based on a pop culture view of these objects. And it's very simple, I think, to see uh, the real objects versus the hoaxed ones, because the, the real objects are showing uh, the effect that they're having on the environment, whether it's in the air uh, or on, uh, you know, in any sort of sighting uh, relationship with the viewer, you're seeing ionization, uh, you're seeing uh, plasma type effects. Uh, there's uh, Ray Stanford has identified uh, these ghost images uh, that seem to to indicate some sort of time compression. These hoaxed videos are kind of based on a, a pop culture view that we've been sort of maintaining since the 50s of, uh, you know, your, your uh, hubcap style uh ufo some of these uh hoaxes are getting much more fantasy prone and fanciful but my point is that we're seeing a blurring of the lines i don't think that that this is uh, doing the field any good i think that we're being oversaturated with images that uh it, to the average person may or may not be real and to the researcher it's just creating uh, way more noise 
than necessary. And it's harder and harder to, to find the signal and wade through all that noise. What do you guys think? Well, I just want to say really quickly, that is a, a spot on analysis right there, Chris. I couldn't agree more. I talked about that in the UFO Singularity. And, you know, being somebody who, who moderates a website like the Grayley Report, where I try to feature news about this kind of thing, and I try to feature quality content, sometimes it's lighthearted. I try not to take myself too seriously. Um, but I even worry sometimes because of the saturation and the fact that we're being inundated with so much of this. Now, when, we, when it comes to a mythology, of what we see in the literature being represented in hoaxes, yeah, that's a great assessment of the situation. And furthermore, I think that that's also one of the best indications of what is likely a hoax because you got to take into consideration. Let's. I, I was a fan of Sherlock Holmes when I was a kid, still am, and read all the stories. I'm a big fan of trying to apply the science of deduction or scientific logic and scientific methodology to assessment and analysis of, of virtually all things. But let's do UFOs right now. If there is a technology that is so readily available, which obviously there is not, hence the, you know, the issue that we have with trying to properly document it, we would have to presume if it were easily documentable and everybody were seeing these things, that these things wanted to be seen because a technology with this kind of advancement that it seems apparent with the UFO phenomenon in the best nuts and bolts cases, okay, I think would have to also be capable of what we're already trying to do. And for if we, and I hope not to anthropomorphize this too much by stating it in this way, but but if we have the technology to use jamming programs and stealth technologies to make it less evident when we are flying through the air in you know million dollar aircraft and things like this, I would presume that a technology is as advanced as the UFO phenomenon appears to be would do the same. Although that could indeed be a slightly human kind of a perspective on things. These whatever these are, and I like to think that a majority of them maybe are earthly vessels and terrestrial technologies. <laughs> maybe they aren't all. Maybe they aren't all, but. But, you know, we have to be careful because in the event that some of them are not, we can't suppose that there's going to be a human approach to logic as we would employ it. But I have to presume that if there are some of these that are perhaps earthbound or terrestrial origin vessels, that probably stealth would be employed. And hence, if a hoax shows up that shows something that appears too good to be true, it probably is because it defies the logic that we would hope would be present in conjunction with the operation of such craft. But don't you think, Micah... That we really don't have a set of rules yet. No, we as don't. As to what UFOs are. I mean, we're sitting here, what, more than six decades after Kenneth Arnold's UFO sighting. And we could still really talk about the possibility that what he saw was test aircraft. And that the reaction to that sighting came as a matter more of timing. And maybe the approach taken by journalists more than the value of the case. And as a result, we had this early mythology that took us to places where we may not have otherwise visited, not to say there wasn't a real phenomenon, but that kind of muddied the waters early on. Well, I was just agreeing with Jane on that. I think that, uh, you know, we're still seeing the, the repercussions and the echoes of those early images from the day the earth stood still and some of the, you know, the, what was that, flying saucers uh, invade the earth or whatever where you had the big discs uh, going into dc uh, flying down the streets and knocking over the uh, washington monument earth versus the flying saucers right the one with ray harryhausen special effects influenced by a major donald kehoe book uh-huh. that they bought and kehoe was forever forever disenchanted and embarrassed go on <laughs> Well, you know, guys, I'll say this. What, what we end up with as a result of all that is a phenomenon 
whose reputation precedes it, okay? In other words, the expectations that the media and that the silver screen have projected onto what we presume space vehicles will be like actually forever colors, I think, what is actually reported. Not to say that there aren't good reports of, you know, disc-shaped or or even saucer-shaped craft, but you know, very concisely and quickly, we can say about Kenneth Arnold that what he reported initially is not what, over the course of maybe a few weeks or a few months, he later said that he had seen. And the whole saucer thing, I do think, really stems from the journalists in his description of seeing objects that flew erratically like saucers skipping across water. That's where the whole flying saucer meme initially originated. The problem is, weeks and months later, even Kenneth Arnold was saying, well, I think that some of the craft were disc-shaped. At least one of them he said was still that original flying wing kind of shape that he had initially, I think, said that they all were. So, And there are studies, guys, that show psychologically that a person typically will update their memories. And they aren't lying. It's just that as memory, of course, you know, fails from time to time, we tend to update memories and things that we once saw and perceived. As we remember it later, it is a little different and it changes in our mind over time. Yeah. This is why the research into Roswell is so difficult. Because the actual pursuit after the initial event occurred 30 years later. And trying to put that together in relationship to what really happened is really difficult. I had 30 years to live with science fiction films, Star Trek, UFOs, etc., etc. Yeah, yeah. Again, the reputation precedes the actual phenomenon. And, and hence, you know, our perception is somewhat colored. You know, Roswell, again, is an interesting one. I think that uh, my, my colleague, Dr. John Ward... Uh, had said to me on one occasion when I was trying to make a case for, uh, you know, being, uh, I think, UFO research having a greater presence at an event like Paradigm Symposium, which, you know, just for the record, I'm still involved with. I'm no longer one of the chief coordinators. Um, I like participating in and planning events, but, uh, you know, research is really what's key to me. Scotty and John are still carrying that on, good men that they are. And at one point when I tried to, you know, argue for why we couldn't have more UFO discussion at an event like Paradigm Symposium, John's response, and I think it's an honest response for someone who isn't maybe uh, any more than peripherally interested in UFOs, his response was, but brother, how much more can we say about Roswell? And I'm thinking, this is the problem. That we have a case that, to me, is extremely nebulous, especially after all the information that's been amassed over the years. And yet this is a fundamental evidence for people, basically outside the UFO community, uh, or, or maybe a representation, I should say, of what UFOs are. To a lot of people, you say UFOs, and they think about a disc crash landing in Roswell in 1947. There's a lot more that could be said about that case, and maybe a lot less that I think is truly representative of ufology. Well, without yeah. going into detail, there is a lengthy discussion thread in our forums where someone is claiming that one of the early alloys, the memory metal, nickel, titanium, that kind of thing, that maybe that was influenced by ET technology. And the logic I came to was, if you're going to say that anything in our developmental history was influenced by ET technology... First, look at the history, take E.T. or Roswell out of the equation and see if the logic of the history and the theory fits. And if it does, end of story. We'll see what happens. And so if you want to get in touch with us here at the PowerCast, the best way to do so is to write us news at thepowercast.com. Once again, that's news at thepowercast.com. Or send us a tweet on Twitter, we're known as The Paracast. We are The Paracast 
on Twitter. We have Gogs and Chris and Gene with Micah Hanks. You're in the podcast. Great minds think alike. The network for the independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. Next to water and food, you need a safe, storable fuel supply for your preparedness needs. Spare fuel is the answer. Spare fuel can be used in any gas-powered vehicle or generator. Spare fuel is perfect for any unforeseen out-of-gas emergencies. Unlike gasoline, spare fuel is safe to store with your other supplies, and it can be stored for many years. Go to GetSpareFuel.com for special pricing. That's GetSpareFuel.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. This is big! By popular demand, the Freeze-Dry Guys Giant Factory Authorized Sale has been extended. Now through August, save 30 to 45% on number 10 cans of high-quality Mountain House freeze-dried foods from the Freeze-Dry Guy. Now's the time to stock up on all factory-fresh stock of the finest, best-tasting, longest-proven shelf-life foods in the industry at giant savings of 30 to 45%. But hurry, supplies are limited, so this sale is only through the end of August. Call 866-404-3663. Free shipping to the lower 48 states. Click freezedryguide.com or call 866-404-3663. That's freezedryguide.com. Hurry! The giant factory authorized Mountain House sale with savings of 30 to 45% is extended through August. From the Freeze Dry Guy, the finest freeze-dried and dehydrated foods available anywhere for long-term storage. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Gene, Chris, Goggs, and Micah Hanks. Goggs, you had a question. Less a question than um, a new slant to the topic. Uh, Something I'm very interested in and that I have asked you guys to ask questions of various guests over time. If you remember when Colonel Charles Holt was on, you asked one of my questions, which was, do you think there is a control group, uh, i.e. a group that of a secret group of officials or whatever who keep an eye on the UFO topic, try to keep it quiet, cover things up, all that kind of thing. And I'm constantly going between two points of view, thinking, well, there certainly seem to have been major events in ufology where it seems that something has definitely been clamped down on, you know, uh, officials, Air Force officials, whatever, seem to appear quite quickly and say, you know, don't talk about it, remove evidence, what have you. But at the other hand, I think, well, how could such a group be 
how could it keep going through the decades without everyone knowing about it? Because, you know, from, from, from where are the members chosen? How is it, how does it manage to kind of bypass presidential control from one administration to the next or, you know, whatever? So I'd kind of like to ask Micah what he thinks about, you know, is there a control group hmm. for ufology? I've seen some compelling evidence of that over the years, and we can look at it a number of ways. You know, whether we look at the classic idea of Majestic 12, which I don't buy that. I, I think that maybe aspects of the Majestic 12 mythology were maybe based on, um, you know, some things that were rooted in truth, but I think it's pretty obvious, and of course, thanks to the work of a number of researchers, including Robert Hastings and others over the years, it's pretty obvious Majestic 12, as documented and released to the UFO community a few decades ago, is probably not what actually was. Nick Redfern has talked about this, um, you know, Collins elite. There have been different manifestations of a purported group, you know, that, uh, or several probably, that, that, you know, work behind the scenes and have interest in UFOs. I'm reminded of this... Um, of this statement that uh, I guess it was Jimmy Carter had said that uh, upon assuming the presidency, he had asked then CIA director George Herbert Walker Bush about information on UFOs, to which Bush had said, well, Mr. President, you don't have a need to know for that information. <laughs> if that is indeed true, uh, it, the question I guess one might posit is, well, if not the commander in chief of the United States of America, then who, who has the need to know for that information? But it could be that it is a security issue and that whether or not the CIA, the NSA, the FBI, or any other agency of three letters or whatever, whether or not they have all the secret details on whatever UFO phenomenon really is or is not, it very well may be that what information they have collected is of national importance and it may not be a situation that the president necessarily has to have all the details about that. Now, whether or not we agree with that, that to me is unlikely to how these uh, organizations probably operate. And frankly, these intel agencies often don't share information even with one another, let alone our elected officials. You know, another thing I think that should be pointed out, though, too, is that in the absence of being able to, to come to a logical determination about this phenomenon, which, Gene, as you had just said, we don't really have a set of rules or guidelines. Nobody has written, in my opinion, a convincing handbook about what the UFO phenomenon is. We look at some of these, um, you know, some of these researchers who have over the years maintained the validity of things like Majestic 12. Uh, we look at people like John Alexander, who say just the opposite, and then we see guys like Grant Cameron, who I respect, but you know there was a bit of a gaffe a few months ago when he pointed out that Majestic 12 wasn't mentioned in Alexander's book, when in fact there was an entire chapter on that in the, the most recent book that uh, John Alexander had written on the subject. And I think that what we see is rather than shoddy research or a secret you know, conspiracy that Alexander is a part of, I think what we see is First, with Alexander, an individual who, having worked in government, did his best to determine if there was such a control group and found no evidence based on his legitimate exploration into levels of government known and accessible to him that was evidence of that. And then I think we see among the research community people who, at times, don't realize that they are engaged in something of a willful dismissal based on a... I think a presumptive attitude that they approach this subject with, and numerous people, some whom I'm friends with, still maintain certain degrees of belief in things like uh, MJ-12, Roswell, and a lot of these famous cases for which there are staunchly varying opinions on. A, a good person to look at in relation to, uh, I think, Roswell would be uh, Kevin Randall. Uh, his perspectives on that case, having studied it for so long and having changed his opinion so much over time as his skepticism grew, I think that that gives you know, a very good summary of really how we all have to look at the UFO community. We have to look at all the evidence 
And we can't be beholden to hoping that there's a belief because, guys, science doesn't seek to prove. Science, good science, seeks to disprove hypotheses. And, and, you know, when you're left with something that you can't disprove, then you have a good theory to work with, I think. So, unfortunately, there is a lot of kind of preconception, bias, and hopeful belief among the UFO community that leads to things being overlooked from time to time. Whether or not that, again, is evidence of or the lack thereof of some sort of a control group, I don't know. But I think that many people, for lack of any better understanding of what this phenomenon represents, I think like to hope that there is somebody out there who is controlling. Maybe the closest that we've really come, that we do have evidence of, that is, I think, with the release of documents pertaining to things like MJ-12 that are so obviously hoaxed, there has probably been an attempt to use what is perceived as the UFO phenomenon to control people who are UFO researchers for purposes of dissemination of information that is going to be misleading to the public, probably with hopes of covering things like actual stealth aircraft um, programs and the like. I totally agree uh, with your analysis, Micah. And also, I would like to add that reading John Alexander's book, it dawned on me that the one agency uh, or organization within government that probably is sitting on the most amount of data would be the NRO in charge of, uh, of monitoring you know, our satellite activity and, and the equipment aboard those satellites, whether it's for terrestrial spying or intelligence gathering, electronic intelligence gathering purposes. But he doesn't mention the NRO one time in his book. And I think that that's a very telling statement uh, or non-statement, if you will. I've got a couple of things to say about John Alexander, and one is that I do understand his his point that you know he he genuinely tried to find out if there was a cover up and what have you. But if there is a cover up, if there is any kind of control group, I don't necessarily think even a colonel in you know non lethal weapons research is necessarily going to have even remotely the access that would be required. He, he has no need to know. No, exactly. If a president doesn't, then I'm sure a colonel not directly involved uh, wouldn't have. And I know I was in, I worked at uh, Britain's NSA, GCHQ, and uh, I was in naval intelligence. And I know for that, that that's the whole point of it. You just simply don't need, to, if you're not working on something directly, then you don't have any reason to know about it and you shouldn't know about it. So if we're talking about the thing that's supposedly, you know, more secret than the atom bomb and and what have you, then John Alexander, in all respect to him, would be very, very far away from getting to the inside. But And also another point is the whole thing about when governments, militaries, whatever, and they, they profess that they're not interested in UFO topic... I just find it utterly inconceivable that if there are suspected craft flying about that have this super advanced technology, there isn't a chance in hell that the military and the military-industrial complex wouldn't be interested. I mean, my God, can you imagine the the war-winning technology and all the offshoot technologies? We always go on about, well, look, look what the space race has given us in terms of, you know, Teflon and whatever. If we could get even any of the secrets of just by studying UFOs, a bit like um, how Ray Stanford is, never mind getting a hold of one, then there has to be interest. There has to be extreme interest. And, you know, the old uh, chestnut about no defence significance, that is just the biggest joke in ufology. To to think that, you know, uh, multiple airmen personnel 
at a nuclear base have some kind of encounter over several nights. I'm talking about Rendlesham, of course. And anyway, the bottom line is something weird went on near to where nuclear weapons were stored. If that isn't of defence significance, then I genuinely don't know what is. Unless, of course, it involves some kind of test aircraft where things went wrong. We'll have to see. A lot more to talk about. Gogs Mackay is there. We also have Gene and Chris with our guest, Micah Hanks. You're in the Paracast. First game attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. Mike Stennerson for Midas Resources. At no time in history have precious metals been more important, certainly not in my 22 years in the industry. The dollar has lost over 90% of its value in the last 60 years. No fiat currency has ever survived the government printing presses. Ours is not immune. The time is now to be proactive. 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. Anything tied to the dollar is at risk. CDs, annuities, 401ks, IRAs, stocks, bonds, you name it, so decide. Do you want to leave a legacy of wealth or debt for your family? The choice is yours. Call me at 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. That's 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. Be proactive, not reactive. Call 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. If you need to say happy birthday, happy anniversary, thank you, or simply, I'm thinking of you. ProFlowers.com is the key. ProFlowers has stunning bouquets, like the best-selling 100 blooms for $19.99. Plus, ProFlowers will include a glass vase for free. Sending someone a wonderful surprise of beautiful flowers sent fresh from the field is easy. Choose the bouquet you like, pick the delivery date, and each order is 100% guaranteed. Plus, all bouquets from ProFlowers are guaranteed to last at least seven full days. Beautiful, fragrant flowers, picked fresh and sent to your loved one for lasting enjoyment. To get this incredible savings and send someone 100 gorgeous blooms with a free vase for $19.99, go to ProFlowers.com, click the blue microphone in the top right corner, and enter code PLOW. That's ProFlowers.com. Click the mic and enter code P-L-O-W. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. 
But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products, most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Gogs had a bit of a soliloquy there on various issues about UFOs and who might know what and where and when. Gogs. Mackay, when you were doing intelligence, in what areas? It was signals intelligence. So it's the, and as in like what the NSA and GCHQ are involved in, is just the collection uh, and analysis of signals intelligence. So it's not very interesting. And if he, if he tells you anything more, Gene, he's <laughs> going to have to come to Mesa and maybe take you out. I was going to say, well, Gene has got a need to know for that information, does he? And I'm so, I'm so, exactly, and I'm, I'm so cautious about even saying exactly what kind of thing I did, just because I don't want to obviously fall foul of the Official Secrets Act. But I can tell you that, that, that it is interesting to, to kind of um, be exposed to things that you know 99.9% of the public are, are, will never hear of, but anything I did personally wasn't, you know, uh, very interesting. And certainly, what, what you know, it's one regret I have is that while I was in the Navy, I should really have asked the people involved in electronic warfare if they had ever had, you know, uh, any really fast tracks on radar, that kind of thing. And I was into UFOs at that time, but for some reason it just, you know, with day-to-day work and all that, it was at the back of my mind and I kind of wish that I did pursue that kind of thing at the time, but I never did. But I, I really I really doubt that anyone I had come in contact with would have had any earth-shattering information. But if we have information that's that compartmentalized, and we've had it for six, seven decades, the U.S. has it, maybe intelligence services in Great Britain, France, whatever. Big question is, how do you keep the secret? Generation after generation, leadership changes, all that sort of thing. But, but it hasn't been kept, of course, because th- there, are, there have been documents leaked, official documents that you know, pretty plainly state the interest in the subject of UFOs. So if there had never been any document released, and, you know, we weren't talking about anything to do with the military and UFOs, then you could say that the secret has been kept, but it hasn't. And even, you know, I suppose Roswell, regardless of what the truth of it is, the fact of the matter is that people have researched the subject of of Roswell. And so something, considering that it kind of got 
hushed up, if you like, back in 47. It was, you know, oh, it's a weather balloon, it was a mistake, that's that's it. And it kind of did die till then, until in the late 70s when it was kind of dug up again. But the fact that people who you could say were supposed, if you believe something happened, people that were involved who would have been told that this didn't happen, you'd never speak about it because you've given an oath and all that. Well, some of them did give deathbed confessions and what have you. So that that is a, a prime example that the secret has not been kept. They might not have had, you know, perfect guilty knowledge, but people have broken their oaths and documents have been released. So the fact is that the secret hasn't been kept. Gogs, if I may add, by the way, also, you know, there were two cases in Canada just within recent months uh, that involved Again, what we could you know, loosely define as being unidentified flying objects. One involved a red and white object that had a rotor that was flying at an altitude. It was an incredible altitude. Uh, this was observed by the pilot of a commercial plane. And then there was another incident in June that involved a, a small, dark-colored, wingless object that near, nearly collided with the plane, which is really a lot in keeping with, with the kinds of things I described in my book, The Ghost Rockets. But... What's interesting to me about both of those cases is that uh, Canadian, uh, I guess I'm trying to remember what their division is. I guess it's not the FAA, obviously, like it is here in the States, but uh, aviation authorities had said that there were no reports filed because of a lack of information about those, even though there seemed to be a potential hazard in both cases. What we do know about some of these UFO reports over the years, of course, as a result of the disclosure of documents, is that Absolutely. Government agencies thought that there was something of interest or concern because that documentation was kept. We know in other instances, since there has not been documentation kept on certain quote-unquote UFO cases, that if there are files that have been released to the public, somebody thought enough to investigate. And even if a lot of those take a very, you know, a kind of debunker attitude toward this, as many have pointed out, and if, even if there are a lot of redactions and things that are contained, it still shows that there was interest in the phenomenon, and hence government agencies have obviously maintained that interest over the years and have collected data about UFOs. Now, I personally, although I'm not really a great big grand dark conspiracy theorist type, I do think that there's a lot of information without question maintained by government agencies that we probably haven't accessed, and there are very good reasons, and a lot of it has to do with the nature of how FOIA works. But I think that there's a lot of information that we do not, as civilian researchers, have access to with relation to the UFO phenomenon that government bodies have probably maintained and still do maintain. Yeah, we know that in certain cases that, and in certain bodies like the FAA and in the, the, the armed forces, there have been times when people have said they've been involved in some kind of UFO incident and their superiors have told them, like, you know, uh, don't talk about this, don't whatever. So what I'm interested in is that those superiors that are telling their subordinates do not talk about this incident, did they read it in a, a rule book somewhere that they should say that? Are their immediate superiors, te superiors telling them, tell people to keep quiet, this didn't happen kind of thing? Or is it almost like, there doesn't need to be a control group somehow in the culture of UFOs. It's just like people inherently in, in positions of authority, they inherently think they should keep it quiet. Hmm. So no one is actually telling them to do so, but they just think that's what they should be doing. So it's almost like it's self-perpetuating. There doesn't need to be an MJ-12. People think if you're in the military and you're a colonel, you're a whatever, if you get involved in something like this, or your subordinates are, you should keep it quiet. And nobody even needed to tell them to do that. Yes, it, it could very well be a very brilliant deception. Again, this kind of comes around 
uh, to the approach that James Carrion has taken. Let's suppose for a moment, if we consider whether MJ-12 documents released to the public present an idea of a control group, certain factions of the UFO community buy it hook, line, and sinker. Others, Jacques Vallée, Robert Hastings, and numerous others, uh, look at it and say, not so much. This is obviously bunk. It's proven probably later to be, with almost certainty, that it wasn't all based on truth, but maybe that there were little hints at some aspects that were true. Uh, what we are left with is a public perception of control and hence an idea that UFOs are something we're not supposed to know about, which could in turn be both conducive to kind of washing you know, with secrecy the actual projects that are going on and, and presenting instead this idea of an alien cover-up, while at the same time creating an era of conspiracy with this UFO subject that you're not quote-unquote supposed to talk about that leads people to treat it in such a way that it is something that maybe media agencies and even government agencies from time to time intentionally either downplay, refuse to discuss, or make light of. You know, we could presume that, again, the culture itself that has been kind of woven around the UFO subject over the last several decades has actually contributed to this era of secrecy. How much of that we can confirm, you know, is anybody's guess. Right. Precisely. Yeah, yeah. Self-nullification. <laughs> you know, there's a lot I want to ask about this. We'll do our next segment. We have questions from our listeners of Micah Hanks as well. Our guest list includes Micah Hanks. We're joined by Gogs Mackay, a forum moderator who comes on the show every so often to help co-host with Gene and Chris. You're in the podcast. You're listening to GCN, proudly sponsored by UnseenNow.com. Lock down your digital life at UnseenNow.com. This is GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com a little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even though I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months, simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. 
Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional and installation. You control what you watch when you watch it. Record your favorite shows, pause and rewind live TV, even skip the commercials. Watch local channels too. At just $19.99, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. Say goodbye to the cable guy. Cut costs and get more. 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. At 30dayfoodsupply.com, you can now purchase a -a one-of-a-kind product not available anywhere else. A meatless burger dry mix in four delicious flavors. With our new Oregon Trail Foods vegan burgers, all you do is add water and fry. They need no refrigeration. They're packaged in Mylar bags with an oxygen absorber for a long shelf life. They're non-GMO. They're gluten, soy, nut, and chemical-free, but they're loaded with flavor. And a good source of carbs and protein, yet low in sodium. Flavors include Italian, spicy Mexican, six vegetable and black bean olive go to 30dayfoodsupply.com or call 541-229-0010 and order today eat them every day take them camping or save them for an emergency check them out at 30dayfoodsupply.com and click on the vegan burger icon that's 30dayfoodsupply.com where all of our products are produced in oregon by oregon trail foods 30dayfoodsupply.com This is Jacques Vallée, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. This is the Paracast with Gene and Chris and Goggs, joined by Micah Hanks, who I consider a cutting-edge commentator on the UFO field. So, Micah, based on what we've been summarizing the last couple of segments, is it fair to suggest that the UFO meme grows out of the impression created by the government that things that are going on are UFO-related. So if we're all looking for spaceships, we don't see what's really happening. Well, I think that's fair to say to an extent. And, uh, you know, again, I think that's a similar case that James Carrion makes with his book, The Rosetta Deception, which I won't be able to get the uh, free copy of since I already bought it. But again, when I say that I believe in supporting authors who do a lot of you know, hard and good research. Uh, you know, I think that you know everybody deserves to make a dollar here or there. So I'm proud to say I bought his book. Now that said, I think that he would probably agree. As I think he even similarly discussed with you guys previously on this program, that while without question, and and to mention another person who has made this assertion that there is a deception component involved with this. Well, Valet said that, of course, and really anyone who wants to get an interesting perspective on Rendlesham and similar events, I think they should read the book uh, Revelations, the third in his Alien Contact trilogy, which really brilliantly goes into a lot of this. But uh, but also Joseph P. Farrell has talked about the idea that there were propaganda efforts, especially shortly after the Second World War, which utilized information about UFO reports to basically kind of obfuscate and maybe mislead the public. A good example. I think it was in 1946 
six or seven, possibly, that there was a report of a saucer-shaped craft with an Iron Cross emblem on the side hovering over the Thames River in London. Now, of course, this wasn't reported during the war. It was reported afterward. And frankly, you know, as Farrell points out, after the UFO meme had already been presented, which I guess would have to mean that it was 1947 or later. It may have even been 1948 or 49. But Farrell thought it, it was interesting, and I think he talks about this in his book, Saucers, Swastikas, and Psyops, where he mentions that this story, having not been mentioned in wartime, but after the presence of flying saucers is already established following the Kenneth Arnold sighting, seems to point to the idea that there was some sort of a German technology that was being utilized during the war. And what better way to convince our enemies than to have a Western source comment on this and talk about it in such a way that, oh gosh, well, maybe if we know that Nazi propulsion scientists and the like have been removed to the United States and, you know, Werner von Braun and, uh, and Hermann Oberth and others, you know, end up at Huntsville, Alabama, and they're working for us. If the Russians read these newspapers and they see this as they no doubt did following intelligence internationally as they did, it would be a great way to instill in the minds of our enemies the idea that we had acquired some secret technology and basically don't mess with us, <laughs> you know? So uh, I definitely think that that deception uh, element exists and could have been utilized carefully and effectively as a tool. Um, but I don't think that that removes the idea that there's a real phenomenon either. And I don't think that every good evidence that we've ever found of UFOs is some component that is being utilized by whether as Goggs had, uh, you know, questioned, uh, you know, a government control group that's seeking to try and control the more gullible among the research community and hence why many skeptics have asserted, coming back to our central thesis here, that there's an end to ufology. They cite that lack of hard evidence, but the few good leads being evidence of something and then people taking it to extremes and calling that evidence of a cover-up as being evidence of nothing. As UFO researchers, it's frustrating because we don't have a whole lot of evidence of, well, we know that there's something, but we don't really have much evidence as to what that actually is. So many people cave to the extraterrestrial meme I clearly think, Gene, that there is something going on, and it's not all deception, but we don't know what that is, and we don't know enough about it, and that unfortunately provides a lot of fodder to naysayers who really do say that ufology is caving in on itself, when in fact, unfortunately, I think that the, the systematic beliefs that have been stigmatized and have been appended to the subject have prevented us from moving forward in a clear-headed fashion. I think too many people are out there looking for aliens, not enough people are out there looking for UFOs. <laughs> right, very good point, and I couldn't have made it better myself. I think one of the problems uh, that we're seeing in ufology is, you know, this pop culture programming. Everybody has this expectation if they're not involved in doing the active research and really digging into this subject, they're allowing their TV to educate them. They're allowing the culture itself to uh, be pointing them off planet. And I, I, we don't have enough information to make that leap yet. And unfortunately, ufology has become very entrenched with the ETH, with the extraterrestrial hypothesis, and any sort of creative thinking that arises that runs counter to that. A classic example would be Jacques Vallée being booed off the stage in, in the late 80s and, and swearing he'd never do another conference like that again. There is this kind of I don't know, just a veneer of if you run against the grain and you have, uh, you know, you try to apply some creative thinking to, to this whole subject, you're shunned or you're shouted down. Unfortunately, that's, uh, you know, that's something that the field is, has at some point is going to have to address if it wants to continue moving forward. Yes, it is. And see, that was one of the original, initial reasons that I was making this, this statement in the article at my website 
uh, that had to do with, uh, you know, the end of ufology in relation to conferences and television programs and things like this. Look, you know, I'm not afraid to name a couple of names here. I have actually co-hosted events that have featured some of the stars of Ancient Aliens. We talked about them before on this program, and I've actually gotten some flack for that, you know, from Paracast listeners and from other people in the community. I don't think it's bad to feature people like Eric Von Daniken, you know, at an event if people are interested in going and hear Eric Von Daniken talk. I am adamantly opposed to calling him a ufologist. He is not a ufologist. Giorgio Sukolos is not a ufologist. And furthermore, when people want to try and launch criticisms against the study of ufology, when they really are just kicking back watching ancient aliens and trying to dissect things that Sukolos or Von Daniken or others may be talking about on those programs, a good example, Jason Colavito, skeptical blogger, he really basically spends most of his time dissecting the books that people who are fringe theorists and the like talk about. Well, that's fine. And he offers some very intelligent commentary. Uh, He's a bit negative at times and frequently a little too snarky for my taste, but I still think that he has every right to try and deconstruct the arguments of a lot of these these researchers. And really, frankly, I don't agree with a lot of it myself, but but I realize that there's an entertaining component to that, and I find it entertaining just as well. It is absolutely not ufology, though, and I love when people try and say that, oh, yes, yes, we've got, you know, contact in the desert or whatever. You know, if people want to go to an event like that and attend that and have fun, that's okay. But when people in the mainstream, you know, whether it be New York uh, Magazine or whatever else, want to go and say, yeah, this is ufology. No, it's not. That's not ufology in the least. When we're talking about the real scientific study or the attempt to scientifically study anomalous aerial phenomenon, that to me is UFO phenomenon, which involves earth light research and earthquake lights. This is something that's been kind of an underground component of the UFO phenomenon for a number of years. John Dare, Michael Persinger, and of course, more recently, Robert Theriault have been engaged in this and, you know, have even uh, co-authored papers that have been uh, released under the under agencies like NASA that deal with the serious discussion of anomalous aerial phenomenon, which are not believed to be, quote unquote, intelligently controlled mechanical aircraft of some kind, but nonetheless are by definition UFOs, criticize those papers, as I have actually. And frankly, I think that some of the information in such papers are, you know, at times cherry picked just as well. But, you know, criticize the actual research that's going on, not the TV shows, which some people offhandedly in a peripheral way call, quote unquote, UFOs. That's not ufology. The TV shows, it's all about entertainment. They don't care about solving any mysteries. They look at the stuff that they think people will be interested in. Oh, of course, we have all these cultural legends like Roswell. doesn't matter what really happened. It could be UFO-related. In fact, I talked to somebody just the other day, an elderly gentleman who was friends with a so-called Roswell witness who talked about up to six aliens being seen. Who knows? You know, memories fade and it was done years later. So I don't know where to take it. These other people researching into unidentified aerial phenomena, do they ever consider that some of these objects or whatever might be spaceships? Well, you know, I mean, I know we use the ubiquitous they when we say this, and, and I think a few people probably would come after me for saying that just as well. Mikey, you, you, know, you say that you're in touch with scientists and people all the time, you know, so what are they doing and what are their thoughts? Well, a couple of points about that. I, I mentioned Persinger and I mentioned uh, John Dare and I mentioned Robert Theriault, specifically because these guys have been involved in research into what's called earthquake lights, uh, which are believed to be anomalous plasmas created by seismic activity or that occur in conjunction with earthquakes, essentially. And that, again, I love this because in that community, there are a lot of seismic researchers who try to say that UFOs can be explained, much like Philip Class said initially, let's keep in mind, by asserting that a similarly misunderstood or partially understood phenomenon, i.e. earthquake lights, is a explanation rather than extraterrestrial aircraft. You know, again, we have no proof that there are ETs visiting Earth. And I think that even the best UFO research, while sometimes suggestive of that, offers us no hard proof. 
Micah Hanks is with us with Gogs and Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I had already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TECHNIGHTOWL for a special discount. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. A sudden change in the wind. The day grows dark as ominous clouds move in and lightning begins to carve arcs in the sky. And you realize you are not prepared. I am telling you to take cover. The number of intense storms is increasing exponentially in the U.S. Tornadoes, hurricanes, flooding, and droughts are happening with greater magnitude and frequency. If you are choosing to rely on the government to save you... And no one's coming to help them. You could be dead wrong. The first step towards self-reliance in the face of disaster is a visit to MyPatriotSupply.com. There you'll find the absolute best prices on storable foods, non-GMO seeds, emergency water filtration devices, and so much more. All orders over $49 qualify for free shipping in the lower 48. Visit us online or call 866-229-0927. That's 866-229-0927. And speak to one of our preparedness advisors today. Remember, before it's time to survive, it's time to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com. Hi, this is Steve Sanchez, and based on a recent study, it was found that 57 million Americans had legal issues over the last 12 months, but only 60% of those studied sought out the services of a lawyer. Why? In a nutshell, affordability. While my friends at Legal Shield have created a solution that can help you not if, but when you need an attorney. For as little as $17 per month, Legal Shield will provide you unlimited access to qualified attorneys at an accomplished law firm for advice and counsel on legal issues, no matter how serious or trivial. For over 40 years and with 1.4 million families across North America, Legal Shield can help you, the loyal GCN listener. Representatives are standing by now to answer your questions, so call them now at 1-855-340-SAVE. That's 1-855-340-7283 or visit them at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Results will vary from case to case. Moms of America, stand up and stop taking abuse from your kids. I pledge never to let my kid disrespect me ever again. I pledge to stop letting my daughter walk all over me. I pledge to stop living in fear of my son's anger. I pledge never to feel like a bad parent ever again. Because I'm not. I pledge to stop letting my child's behavior control my home. I pledge to be a mom with kids who listen. A total transformation mom. I'm Janet Lehman, co-creator of the Total Transformation Program. We created the Total Transformation to help parents with difficult child behavior. 
Now I'm giving it away free. All you need to do is get the program and let us know how it works for you. We'll let you keep it for free. Call 1-800-256-7795. That's 1-800-256-7795. Call now. Call 1-800-256-7795. That's 1-800-256-7795. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. We continue with Micah Hanks. We also have Gogs, Mackay, and Gene and Chris. A reminder, new things are happening at the Paracast. You want to stay abreast, we want you to sign up for our weekly newsletter. Free of charge. You don't get daily mailings of garbage and junk. Just the newsletter every week. Go to theparacast.com, theparacast.com. Look at the big sign-up form. Sign up. You get a copy of Chris O'Brien's book, Secrets of the Mysterious Valley, an ebook, big ebook, compelling research. Let's continue with our discussions. So the key here is, I think, based on what I hear you say, Micah Hanks, is that we should go back to the beginning. What is this phenomena all about? I think the biggest problem to the field might be that some of the most famous researchers early on concluded it must be ET, and any evidence presented otherwise is dismissed. What do you think? Well, I certainly think that's um, a good case. And I'll come back to that in a moment. I very briefly want to say that um, coming back to my, my previous statements about uh, researchers in the field, who's doing this, you know, and, and people's ideas about what this may or may not be, um, I think that there are a lot of people in the scientific community, and I know for a fact because I know many of these individuals, they are willing to communicate with me. They have very opinionated ideas at times. Some of them are, are less opinionated, but they all share an interest in this phenomenon, um, whether that be skeptical or, or whether that be that they think that there's evidence of some sort of a non-human component, whatever. But by virtue of their position in government or their position as a you know professor at a university, many people have said to me, you know, Micah, I appreciate what you try to do with this phenomenon on your podcasts and in radio interviews, but, you know, Please ask you one thing, you know, here's a paper I wrote on this, don't post it online, or my name cannot be used publicly. Some people won't even, I've had people communicate with me who present very compelling information, but who utilize pseudonyms because they're so cautious about uh, the academic suicide, as it's called, that uh, is concomitant with, you know, announcing publicly that you are a learned person or a person who is in a position in government, perhaps, or any other, you know, similar scenario, who is openly interested in UFOs. So that is something that we face, and a lot of people kind of dismiss that kind of information. But really, I think good researchers know, Nick Redfern's encountered this as well, that some people simply cannot come forth and be forthcoming and openly honest about their name and their reputation and what they find interesting about UFOs. So that's a bit of a conundrum, but I think it's something we kind of have to deal with sometimes too. And I do find that these individuals sometimes give good information. Um, Now, coming back to what you say, Gene, about uh, maybe early on, there were certain determinations made or pseudo determinations made about UFO phenomenon that have kind of led us astray. That's absolutely correct, I think. Uh, and here's why. Immediately after the Second World War, America, and really, I mean, none of us had been to space. We were not a space-fearing civilization yet. We see objects flying through the sky. It's easy to presume, okay, logic would seem to dictate that they are flying through the sky. We never see where they come from or where they go to. We must presume, therefore, that they come from and return to the sky. And one of the early determinations about UFOs was not that these were independently controlled 
spaceships, but that they were drones that were actually being sent down from a larger mothership parked outside Earth's atmosphere. Why? Well, because with consideration of the Van Allen radiation belt and the other kinds of uh, problems that we, having not gone into space ourselves at that time, had presumed about space flight, we weren't sure that a living body could survive traveling through and leaving or coming back into Earth's atmosphere. And hence, the travel into space at that time, whether or not possible, seemed even unlikely for some of the UFOs. And so we had presumed that saucers might actually be mechanically, um, or, or I should say, uh, remotely controlled uh, aircraft. Uh, it's interesting because these determinations were people's best assessment at the time to try and understand what could possibly be going on in relation to the science that we had available to us and our understanding of it at that time. It only seemed logical, I think to some of the best scientific minds. And whether you go back to Project Sign and Grudge, you know, the famous estimate of the situation and, and people's attempts to try and say, okay, what are we dealing with? This technology appears to be something far more advanced than anything known to exist on Earth or anything that anyone should have access to now. Some of it's so far out there that it just, it, it's literally just beyond us. It couldn't be anything but somebody else. And again, Gene, like you said, you know, years and years and years of sci-fi programming, comic books, television, or, or, or films, I'm sure that this had already well established the extraterrestrial hypothesis in people's minds long before UFOs ever showed up, but that doesn't remove the interest that people have had in them and maybe the legitimacy of the reports, especially in relation to something Chris was talking about and Gogs as well earlier, and that is how many of these cases occur in relation to nuclear test facilities or weapon facilities. That's a good point. I've got an interesting question here uh, that kind of addresses that and how we move forward. This comes from Burnt State, one of our longtime posters at forum.theparacast.com. Uh, he's gone over the 2,000 post mark, so congratulations on that. Don't forget, you can sign up uh, at the forum.theparacast.com or at paracast.com for our newsletter, and you get a free copy of uh, the download of Secrets of the Mysterious Valley. Here's a question from Burnt State, Micah. You reference a study of earthquake lights in your article, and we've just been discussing that as well, and how scientific pursuits in other fields may continue to illuminate the truth about unidentified aerial lights. Greg Bishop often says that the truth about UFOs will come from someone working in some other unrelated field. If this is so, what scientific fields of study and underground researchers do you think hold the most promise for being able to get a better, better handle on the UFO phenomenon? Well, that's easy. Magnetohydrodynamics. <laughs> that may be one, but I don't want to come across as sounding nebulous. So I want to name the paper that I've discussed earlier that was co-authored by Robert Theriault, um, France uh, St. Laurent, Friedman T. Frund, and John Darren. That was the prevalence of earthquake lights associated with rift environments. That, I think, is available via press at Seismosoc, which is S-E-I-S-M-O-S-O-C dot org. Um, that is a scientific paper that deals with what I think is very effectively termed UFOs, although we believe them to be, in this instance, natural in origin. But I think also that, you know, there's a journal that, uh, that I've been aware of for years. It was co-founded by uh, the co-founder of the company Dynamic Systems, Charles Yost. And he was an Apollo-era NASA engineer who lived here in western North Carolina, where I reside. And he uh, established a journal called Electric Spacecraft. Have you guys heard of that? Just faintly, remotely, yeah. yeah uh, a lot of people, a lot of people don't know about it. As a matter yeah, of fact, I, I, I am aware of the theory. Yeah. Well, there's. I've got a friend who uh, is a uh, astronomy professor at App State, and I asked him. I said, "Have you ever read Electric Spacecraft Journal?" And this is a journal that features all kinds of research from people in the scientific community worldwide 
that has to do with, well, exactly what the name of the journal says. What, what would be utilized to create an electric or perhaps a electric radiate uh, or, or nuclear uh, aircraft? Um, Stanton Friedman, of course, you know, nuclear physicist, has said that uh, having worked in that industry after attending college in Chicago with, of course, Carl Sagan, if there had been nuclear aircraft ever instituted, that he would know about it. But I have to say that, and with all due respect to Stanton, you know, we look at cases like the the uh, the Cash Landrum incident, which you guys have covered in depth on this program. It seems pretty clear that there was something nuclear going on there, being followed, you know, supposedly by all these black helicopters. No official disclosure about what actually may have been going on, but it seems pretty clear that there was some sort of a nuclear aircraft. We have no evidence that it was alien. You know, we do have evidence, though, as a result of the injuries sustained, you know, the radiation sickness and the poisoning that uh, Cash and Landrum suffered. That there was some some sort of an object there, and and throughout that you know that time period and the decades leading up to that uh, incident in the early eighties, there were numerous cases where people suffered radiation burns and the other kinds of of effects of probably what uh, Jacques Vallée and others have speculated is non-ionizing radiation being emitted by these craft. So it does seem to me that not only is there a nuclear component in relation to the actual propulsion of these craft. But I think Tesla had speculated about it, and the Electric Spacecraft Journal for years has sought to understand the possibilities that an electric spacecraft might afford us. Uh, it, it gets into the realm of free energy and, and renewable energy sources, green energy, and a lot of these sorts of things. I think that those are fields that would be of interest to study. And I think also, of course, you know, the study of, of you know, uh, all different kinds of propagation of, of energy systems, electricity and whatnot. Plasma, the study of plasma, I think, which some would term the fourth state of matter, and also how plasma might be utilized, you know, in energetic systems and the like. You know, there, there are any number of places where people might look for where UFO science could be. But again, I think that a lot of this is going on underground. And when I say underground, it's not hidden literally in a bunker. I'm, I'm talking about scientific organizations, institutions carrying out their work. It's probably widely available online, but people don't go looking there because it doesn't have UFO written all over it. And those people, in turn, probably also wouldn't call their research anything related to UFOs. But if we could pull it all together, I think that, you know, from separate sources you know, available in, in, in scientific academia and on the web and in other locations, possibly in government as well, there's probably a solution to the UFO phenomenon that could be pieced together from those proverbial puzzle pieces. In our next segment of the PowerCast, by the way, Goggs McKay has some comments to make about what Mike had just said. So it's going to get more and more fascinating. Once again, if you go to thepowercast.com, sign up for our newsletter. You get a free copy of Chris O'Brien's Secrets of the Mysterious Valley. That's a great book, so it's worth it. It's worth it if you pay for it. It's amazing that you get it free. Okay. We have Micah Hanks joining us with Gene, Chris, and Goggs. You're in the podcast. UnseenNow.com, proud sponsor of GCN. Unseen Now's unparalleled encryption tools keep your communications secure. GCN. Next to water and food, you need a safe, storable fuel supply for your preparedness needs. Spare fuel is the answer. Spare fuel can be used in any gas-powered vehicle or generator. Spare fuel is perfect for any unforeseen out-of-gas emergencies. Unlike gasoline, spare fuel is safe to store with your other supplies, and it can be stored for many years. Go to GetSpareFuel.com for special pricing. That's GetSpareFuel.com. 
We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Hi, Ted Anderson. I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. What good is a Big Berkey water filter? We get that question a lot here at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And in a word, the answer is protection. Protection from water main breaks, E. coli contamination, environmental chemical spills, pesticide runoff, chlorine taste and smell, and all forms of fluoride. Plus, Big Berkey water filters are the original gravity water filter system and most trusted on the market for a reason. Tested by multiple independent NSF EPA certified labs, they are the gold standard in water purification. At only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. That means big savings. Big Berkey, the one that's powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get a Big Berkey today at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit our website or call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We're back in our final four segments with cutting-edge UFO commentator Micah Hanks. And, of course, he has the Graylian Report, a lot of cutting-edge commentaries. He's got his podcast. He's got all these amazing things that he does. And we'll continue with our discussions, also listener questions. Right now, Gox Mackay, our friendly guest co-host and forum moderator, you had a comment. Yes, Micah. I am just working my way through one of Joseph Farrell's book just now, SS Brotherhood of the Bell. And I was just quickly wanting to ask you, what do you think about this idea that there could be a whole kind of branch of physics that has been deliberately hidden from science and the public and that some ufo technology could be based on this science this physics that's hidden yeah ether physics i think uh was the term he coined that is in the book yeah and or hyperdimensional i know that sounds a bit hoagland but let's just talk farrell (laughs) sure joseph farrell is a brilliant guy um i've interviewed him before and uh you know, I've read uh, a number of his books. I agree with a lot of what he says. Um, I disagree with some things, and I don't think that you can have an honest discussion with people uh, without some disagreement. And so that's meant as no slight against him. Um, I think that um, in in terms of probability, I'm trying to I, I'm trying to be logical about this. With no proof that we have aliens out there, you know, that we have found evidence of life that exists elsewhere in the world. With no proof of that. We do know that there's life that exists on Earth, and therefore, the probability to me would seem higher that anomalous technologies that appear on Earth from time to time are of earthly origin. And the reason, again, 
is because the probability seems greater to me as a result of the fact that we can prove and we know, obviously, that life on Earth exists. Well, most of us believe that, at least. So, Now, in, in relation to the idea that there is some sort of a branch of physics that has been kept from the public, you know, a lot of people think that that's absurd because it, uh, it would involve, I guess, adherence to a conspiracy you know, or a cover-up. But folks, let me tell you, conspiracies occur. And a conspiracy theory is merely theorizing that a conspiracy may be underway. That term has been so weaponized, heavily weaponized by the mainstream media following the Kennedy assassination, which is a whole different discussion we can have. And, and I don't think that you have to go out to the lunatic fringe to say that maybe there, was, there were aspects of that incident and other incidents uh, that have occurred in American history and other you know, history, you know, places in history around the world you know, that weren't further inquiry in question. And so I think that the idea of a cover-up that involves technology not only seems more probable than alien visitation, but also likely. And the issue I have with mainstream, the big S debunker skeptics is that they don't want to believe in a cover-up. They don't want to entertain the idea of conspiracies, whether or not we know that there's historical precedent for their existence. They don't want to acknowledge the idea that there may be technologies that are produced behind the scenes that could answer some of these UFO questions. You know, for instance, I'll just I'll illustrate it like this, Gogs. I was talking with Robert Schaefer, protege of sorts of Philip J. Class, and he and I were talking. We agree on a lot, Bob and I, and I, and I think he's a good researcher. By the same token, I was talking with him, and I said, I do not believe that the majority of these aircraft that people claim that they've seen are alien in origin. And I said, if anything, they would have to probably represent some sort of a technology that's been kept under wraps, perhaps by government, perhaps kept behind the scenes. There are other avenues that could be explored. You know, Farrell has cited Richard Dolan's idea of a breakaway civilization, and I think that that's something that should be considered as well. And Schaefer looked at me and he says, you believe that? And I said, well, yes, because I said, again, we don't have proof that aliens are visiting Earth, and therefore I don't want to leap to that conclusion. I said, I mean, do, do you disagree with the idea? And he says, Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I don't think it's government. I don't think that they're secret groups. And, and, and he said, if there were government groups that were utilizing this advanced technology, those documents with time would have been released to the public. And I'm thinking, oh boy, what a, <laughs> what a, what a statement to make. And I said, but more important than, rather than what I perceived as a slightly gullible statement that Schaefer had made, more important perhaps was the fact that he seemed to infer that he thought that there was something else behind the UFO phenomenon. And so I said, wait, wait, Bob, you mean to tell me that you think that there's something else other than secret government technologies and things going on? He says, oh, absolutely. And I said, well, I'm about to hear Bob Schaefer admit that he thinks that there's something else going on with UFOs. And I said, well, what is it, Bob? And he goes, people are just lying. <laughs> and so I joked with him. I said, <laughs> and I said, I said, Bob, you and I should start a blog together then and call it The Lying Saucer. And, and, and he laughed. We both laughed. You know, it was an amicable conversation. And he said, well, we couldn't do that, brother. We'd both be sued. But but in truth, I do respectfully disagree. I don't think people are just lying. And I don't think that we should be so quick to presume that if there were secret technologies gogs going on out there, that government would necessarily release that information to the public willingly over time. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> They're just lying, right? Lying saucers. I like that. <laughs> we have to get him on the show. That's all. Oh, oh you that'll should. be a fun one. You should definitely get him on the show. I hope he would agree to it. <laughs> I've got a bunch of interest, interesting questions here, Micah, uh, for you. And here's one from Fedora Chronicles, who's one of our recent uh, signups at forum.theparacast.com, where you can go and sign up for our free newsletter. And uh, we'll also send you, for uh, signing up, we'll send you a copy of a PDF of my book, uh, Secrets of the Mysterious Valley. Here, here, <laughs> he's got a number of questions. One was, if there was one person you could blame for the waning of ufology, who is it, in your opinion? 
Uh, I'm sure we could start throwing out names. I don't think there's one person that you could blame for the waning of ufology. There's a number of them, though, that have contributed. But um, here's one. Um, he wants to know, Mike, uh, your essential reading list and, and what's on your bookshelf, uh, other books that you would uh, you know, urge people to become aware of. Uh, you know, we do have a lot of uh, people who are interested in this field who haven't got, dove in and done the research, and, and, but they want to. Uh, where would you, where would you uh, steer them? Well, in relation to the first question, uh, Stephen Greer, and uh, <laughs> in relation to the second question, um, you know, I think that there are a lot of really good books that seek not to look at this politicized, stereotypical movement. I hate that expression, the UFO movement. Let's go be a part of a movement. You know, again. Yes, Reverend Hanks. <laughs> well, <laughs> you almost sound in the way yeah, you I'm were just expressing that, that ladies and gentlemen we got a movement here it's <laughs> well, a movement i, I don't want to say what kind of movement <laughs> yeah i am in the south gene <laughs> that's why i'm saying that i used to live in the south <laughs> there, you know yeah we got movement lady well, this- i'll be back at five <laughs> <laughs> well you guys know what i'm talking about though i mean people who it's yeah. not so much a matter of we want to determine logically what could be going on here we want to feel like we are a part of something where we belong. And unfortunately, again, and maybe that is a true criticism I have of the, of the UFO culture and the UFO events and things. They're great. You can learn a lot. You'll meet great people. Heck, I attend and lecture at UFO events myself, as you guys do. But by the same token, I think a lot of people who are attendees really aren't going to learn so much as to be in a location where they feel that they can be a part of something bigger than they are by themselves. They can really let loose, let it all hang out and be who they want to be. And that's fine. But recognize the difference between that and real serious research. Now, books and reading lists. I really love the work of uh, Dr. Jacques Vallée. Who I do, I mean, I've disagreed with Jacques Vallée on a few points at times, but but I feel that he is one of the most, if not the most, intelligent commentator who has ever come uh, and, and and tried to present information about UFOs in a logical, methodical, and scientific way. I also say go back and look at the work of uh, J. Allen Hynek. You know, read the Blue Book papers; they're all available, most of them, I think, uh, online, and also, of course, in the condensed versions of of publications that have been released over the years. A great book I actually have right here, uh, which again I think is largely. Sp- speculative, but points us maybe in the right direction in terms of the science behind some of these aircraft. It's a book by Paul Potter that our good friend David Hatcher Childress released, uh, Gravitational Manipulation of Domed Craft UFO Propulsion Dynamics. You can literally buy this book at Barnes & Noble, uh, and it's available online too through Adventures Unlimited Press, but that's a really thick, interesting book, way too uh, technical, I think, for a lot of people, but you know, I I think that it really is something that at very least in terms of hypothesis puts forward some interesting points about the mechanics behind some of these aircraft. And of course, uh, I do like Joseph Farrell's research. I would recommend Carl Sagan's The Demon Haunted World. I know a lot of people may cringe when I say that, but it's important to get the perspective of the skeptics just as well. Don't be one-sided in your approach, because as soon as you are, you too will become just as biased. I read as much from the skeptical writers on these subjects as I do from the believers. And I'll tell you what, really, to me, it's not about belief at all. It's, again, about the fundamental principle that science is about disproving the hypothesis, not going out there and trying to make believers out of people. We have Micah Hanks joining us with Gogs Mackay, our guest co-host with Gene and Chris. You're in the The podcast. podcast. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out 
A2 hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. Quantitative easing, unemployment at depression levels, Europe financial system falling apart, China getting out of U.S. treasuries. At the end of 2008, the time of TARP, the national debt was at 11 trillion gold, trading around $850 per ounce. Close to 2012, the national debt exceeded 16.4 trillion, gold doubled to $1,600 per ounce. The 20 trillion threshold for the national debt is inevitable. Politicians in Washington have a ferocious appetite for spending and stimulus. What's worse, a printing press to finance. A hundred years ago, we had a gold standard to limit this madness, but now you have to adopt your own gold standard. Don't be fooled with paper promises. Get Midas Resources 10 Reasons to Buy Gold free by calling 800-686-2237. Understanding the gold and silver market may be the only insurance you could have to avoiding the next economic crisis. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order your free copy. Again, that's 800-686-2237. The human body is extraordinary. Despite all the stresses we inflict upon it, it still works hard to stay in balance. Thousands upon thousands of people rely upon heart and body extract to help their body stay balanced. This excellent 100% natural herbal formula helps maintain healthy blood pressure levels, cleans arteries, promotes good circulation, balances cholesterol, and more. HB extract paired with healthy lifestyle choices like good nutrition and exercise can give you a life free of pain, sickness, and fear. Recapture your youthful vitality and experience your body healing itself with the aid of hb extract it's extremely effective and it starts working in just days visit hbextract.com to learn more and to read scores of testimonials from satisfied customers and we've never increased our price in over 10 years that makes heart and body extract as great a value now as it was the first day we sold it a healthy heart is a happy heart call 866-295-5305 or go to hbextract.com this is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. Next to water and food, you need a safe, storable fuel supply for your preparedness needs. Spare fuel is the answer. Spare fuel can be used in any gas-powered vehicle or generator. Spare fuel is perfect for any unforeseen out-of-gas emergencies. Unlike gasoline, spare fuel is safe to store with your other supplies, and it can be stored for many years. Go to GetSpareFuel.com for special pricing. That's GetSpareFuel.com. We'd like to hear from you. 
If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. I would say this, that Gogs, you do a good reading, but you have to rehearse more to join Chris's rock group. (laughs) What's the name of your rock band again, Chris? Well, it's a progressive Native American rock band, so uh, Black Raven. Black Raven. Which is really good. We may be getting uh, Laughing Buddha back together to do a reissue of our album and uh, record a couple, three new songs. So that's something in the works as well. Micah Hanks is with us. Gogs McKay, our guest co-host with Gene and Chris, pursuing all sorts of cutting-edge UFO questions. Micah, what do you have to say for people like Stanton Friedman or Don Berliner and other people who have just been doing it for six or seven decades, where they seem to be a little rigid in their approach to the subject, and when you hit them with something new, they're very quick to dismiss it? Stanton Friedman, uh, you know, I've met Stanton on numerous occasions. Um, I've interviewed him. He's a wonderful fellow, uh, you know, and he should be recognized for the work he has done. Uh, Stanton is an educated individual just as well, and I think that in terms of uh, what he has done for the popularization of, of what, again, I think he, in fairness, calls scientific study of UFOs, uh, he should be commended. Now, I have also sat on a panel with, with, um, <laughs> with Stanton, which, interestingly, uh, I was billed as the skeptic, and it was me, Stanton Friedman, and Richard Dolan. Maybe as evidence of, of of Stanton's views on what I have to say is when I was actually uh, responding to one of the questions, he fell asleep, bless his heart. <laughs> but, and, uh, and, and Lee Spiegel. Shh, ladies and gentlemen, I sincerely hope that our listeners are not falling asleep right now. <laughs> Go ahead, Gox. By the way, I like Stan, too. I've known him for 100,000 years, mm-hmm. and he knows I don't agree with everything he says. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, that, that's the important thing, Gene. You know, the, you know, the four of us may not always agree. You know, Gogs. Next time we have this talk, and I hope we can do it again in the future. You know, he may say, "Mike, I flatly disagree with what you say on that," and I do disagree with a lot of things that Stanton says. I st- still see the merit of his research, but I think that unfortunately, what we also see is that over time, a lot of researchers become beholden to a belief in what they have, you know, found. To an extent, to not necessarily with Stanton, but I mean, to an extent, I know that there are also researchers who, once they've written a book about something, they flatly deny an alternative hypothesis, and they tend to jump up and down on the premise that has, you know, helped, you know, elevate their, you know, their research, and of course, you know, uh, you know, maybe put a few dollars in their pocket. Which again, that's not a criticism. People have a right to be able to make money. We think about scientists that sit around, you know, studying H1N1 or, you know, scientists who are out there, you know, trying to create petri meat in a laboratory to help, you know, deal with scarcity and, 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 and hunger problems that we have, especially in other parts of the world. Those scientists are paid for that work that they do. There's nothing wrong with being paid for the work that you do. You can still give back to people and make money as well. And I think that there are UFO researchers who have done that just as well. They, they, they have done good work. Uh, they have made uh, an impression and a, and a lasting impression, but we have to be careful not to allow that impression that has been made be the final word, because obviously if we had the final word on UFOs, there would be no need for a discussion like the one we're having right now. You know, I think it's important, too, that people who are involved in this field, if you see evidence that something you believe in or a theory you've expressed is wrong, say so. You can disagree with yourself. 
<laughs> you can disagree with yourself. I, I've disagreed with myself. You know, I've gone back and forth on There have been people who I've admired, and then there are people, you know, who, who the same people I've admired who a few years after the fact, I look at more of what they've had to say. I, I My own opinions may change, and I find myself in stark opposition with things that those researchers have said. You know, if there's one criticism I would even give my, myself, and it's important, I think, as good researchers to try and be critical of ourselves, I would say that, you know, for instance, my book, The UFO Singularity, I like a lot of what I wrote in that book, but even just, what is it, a year and a half, two years after the publication of that book, I have not come away from the kind of what I call informed speculation that I put forward in that book, uh, which is essentially making a case for, we've studied this phenomenon, now what do we do with it, and how can we look ahead to the future and at technology that is kind of, you know, kind of appearing right now in our midst, what will this tell us about UFOs? I look back at that book and I say that I think that that's a meaningful statement. But, you know, my, my next book, The Ghost Rockets, took a very different approach. It was much more nuts and bolts. Here are the facts. This is what we're looking at. And here's government documents that prove it. You know, again, I can look at my own work and say, you know, there are times, I think, where we need more good, hard data and analysis, which was, you know, again, this was the whole dichotomy between J. Allen Hynek, Jacques Vallée, you know, the idea of there being something that was more extra dimensional as opposed to extraterrestrial versus the hardcore nuts and bolts UFO approach. I think we have to find a balance between the two. And, and it's really not something that we understand fully enough at this point that we can so simply say it's aliens or it's, you know, extra dimensionals. It's something, you know, like what John Keel would have said, or, or it's simply some sort of a conspiracy and it's all from here on planet Earth. We just don't know. And we have to be open to possibilities. But discerning in the way we approach those possibilities. Well, well, one thing we do know, and that is not everyone who reports a UFO or claims that they've seen one is lying. <laughs> right. Again, I, I will add, people have said often when they listen to my podcast, you know, I, I do try to take a middle ground approach and they say, you know, Micah, sometimes you're so in the middle that you don't seem to have any opinions of your, of your own. I argue that's not the case. The reason I'm trying to be middle of the road is because, you know, especially in this paradigm, when it comes to this discussion of UFOs, there is this war between the two extremely polarized factions of believers and skeptics. The skeptics, very interestingly, seem to be able to explain 100% of the time, skeptically, all claims of paranormal phenomena. That's very strange to me because, again, with science, we aren't trying to go about, you know, saying that uh, there are no unexplained phenomena. With science, what we're trying to say is if there is at least what appears to be an unexplained phenomenon, that there is data which warrants the study of, then we should proceed cautiously and carefully, but we should at least explore the possibility that we are observing some sort of a phenomena that is little understood. The believers, of course, pit themselves against this and they tend to believe wild things from time to time just because they want to disagree with the skeptics. You know, it's a paradigm. It's, it's this whole pathological kind of a mindset that I think on the extremes people gravitate toward. In the middle, you can stand and you can look both ways. And really, in some instances, you have to be able to look toward the skeptical or the believer side and say, the, the data before us points to more of this. And so I will say, not being in the middle on this point, I adamantly disagree with Robert Schaefer that people are just lying. I've heard PZ Myers say the same thing last year, that there are probably people with psychological disorders who are observing UFOs. If that's the case, and if all UFO phenomenon is representative of people who are misperceiving, possibly due to mental disorders, the entire nature of what we call modern study of psychology has to be rewritten, because we obviously have no understanding of the fundamental mechanisms of the human mind. That, to me, is not an excuse for why UFOs don't exist. Don't you think that one thing that I want from people in ufology, and it's not a big ask, and just a willingness to change their mind, 
when presented with compelling evidence to the contrary of their current belief. Yeah, as much as I admire Stanton Friedman, I, I'm just not sure if he's ever done a 180 on anything. I could be wrong, but he just seems very, very set in his in his ways and his beliefs in ufology. And, you know, don't get me started on people like Greer and Bassett. <laughs> um, Chris will tell you, he, you obviously saw it as well, Micah, but the recent kind of congressional hearings, yeah. uh, the, some of the people that, that were involved in that were great. They were fantastic. You know, they were, they, they were good for uh, illustrating some good cases in ufology, and they had a lot of interesting things to say. And then you've got... Gogs Mackay with Gene and Chris and Micah Hanks. You're in the Paracast. GCN. Proudly sponsored by UnseenNow.com. Find out how to stop Big Brother in his tracks at UnseenNow.com. This is GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Question. Could too many GMO foods and toxins be overloading your digestive and immune systems? Answer, yes. If you're searching for a powerful detox that's gentle enough to use every day, use Pro-EM-1 from Terraganics. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic that uses good bacteria to suppress pathogens and gently eliminate toxins from your body. A healthy digestive system will cleanse and remove toxins, support weight loss, improve absorption of food nutrients, and aid in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM-1 is made with only non-GMO and certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is dairy, soy, wheat, and gluten-free. Pro-EM-1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com. Dot com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Also available through Amazon Prime. Pro-EM-1 from Terraganics. Life's getting better. Whoa! This is big! By popular demand, the Freeze-Dry Guys Giant Factory Authorized Sale has been extended. Now through August, save 30 to 45% on number 10 cans of high-quality Mountain House freeze-dried foods from the Freeze-Dry Guy. Now's the time to stock up on all factory-fresh stock of the finest, best-tasting, longest-proven shelf-life foods in the industry at giant savings of 30 to 45%. But hurry, supplies are limited, so this sale is only through the end of August. Call 866-404-3663. 
free. Free shipping to the lower 48 states. Click freezedryguide.com or call 866-404-3663. That's freezedryguide.com. Hurry! The giant factory authorized mountain house sale with savings of 30 to 45% is extended through August. From the Freeze Dry Guy, the finest freeze-dried and dehydrated foods available anywhere for long-term storage. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional and installation you control what you watch when you watch it record your favorite shows pause and rewind live tv even skip the commercials watch local channels too at just $19.99 what are you waiting for pull out your major credit or debit card call 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV say goodbye to the cable guy cut costs and get more 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV Hi, this is nuclear physicist lecturer Stanton Friedman. You are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We'll have more of your questions on this segment. Gogs Mackay was beginning a commentary about different stages of UFO belief and such. Just parenthetically, I think, at the last MUFON convention, Steve Bassett was honored, which I think is really just pushing things way too far. Micah Hanks is joining us this week with Gene and Chris. Gox, you have more to say? Yeah, I, I was going to say that Stephen Bassett, he was so resolute in, I think I think he, he was kind of pushed on his choice of people to have in this and these hearings the citizens hearings and i just i don't get the guy i can't understand him at all because you know he he so wants this truth embargo as he calls it to come to an end he's obviously very passionate about passionate about ufology but why he can't seem to understand that to people who are not into ufology that you know if you have the if you have the woo woo crowd the you know, like what Paul Hellyer said, I, I can't quote verbatim what he said, but let's just say information without any possible way to back it up. That would be the kind way to say it. And Stephen Bassett doesn't see anything wrong with having this kind of person, you know, on the same panel, the same forum, same stage as people with perfectly good information and credible tales with evidence, you know, personal experience. And then you've got the other ones who are just giving third, fourth-hand rubbish information. And he's giving them kind of equal billing. And he does strike me as a very intelligent man. But why he can't see that that is not helping ufology, I'll, I just do not know. 
I'd like to comment on that, Gogs, if I can, and I'll, I'll try and be brief sure. that, since I know time's running nigh. But uh, Stephen, I've met Stephen on a number of occasions. Uh, he has always been a, a true gentleman. Uh, you know, he asked for a copy of my book one time, and I gave it to him, and, and I was, you know, I felt honored, really. But he's one of the very people who, in the past, in an article in Fate Magazine, had essentially called for the end of ufology and said that we're beyond the need to study UFOs. We already know that there's a phenomenon. We need to move into this realm of activism and disclosure, essentially, is what he said. So it's interesting that this would be one of the very people who has talked about the so-called end of ufology. Okay. That said, with regard to the citizens hearing on UFO disclosure, there's some good that came out of that. But I also know that the former uh, congressmen and women, you know, the individuals who were the people who were actually sitting in the hearing, not people who were holding standing positions in office, because I don't think any standing elected officials would probably have taken that, <laughs> you know, and, and done it. They were paid, uh, you know, a good amount of money uh, and being paid to be there and to sit and listen to that stuff, I'm sure that they, not necessarily to be derisive toward it when I say that stuff, but you know, I'm sure that they were more than willing to sit there, having been paid a large sum of money to do so, and, and listen to what people had to say. The big problem, I think, the biggest problem with what was presented at that citizen's hearing, a lot of people had said that there were people like Richard French who showed up and made some very strange statements. People were saying, where'd this guy come from? You know, Open Minds has talked about him in the past. And in fact, John Keel mentions a Richard French who he thought was one of these these pseudonyms that somebody, uh, essentially what Keel called an MIB, uh, he didn't think that this was a real person, but he named a gentleman named Richard French who claimed to be with the Air Force, who in the second chapter of the book Mothman Prophecies pops up. So I think obviously Richard French, some of what he has said is true. And yet he made these strange claims about seeing these little alien guys working on a UFO off like the coast of Newfoundland or something like that. And somehow he's able to see down into the water and seeing them work. There were a lot of strange things that people were talking about. And the testimony, this is the big problem. The testimony and the points and opinions being issued by the people who were the panelists at that event, they didn't seem to all agree on all the aspects. You can't tell me that what Linda Moulton Howe said was in agreement with what Kevin Randall would have said, you know, or what Richard Dolan would have to say on the subject would be, you know, in agreement with Bassett's own views. You know, there hasn't been any kind of a systematic, cohesive presentation on, okay, this is what I think on the whole, as the UFO community, we all know. There's some of this stuff that we all think, but we can't prove. This is, this is what we know, and this is the best evidence. That, unfortunately, is not what was presented at the citizens' hearing. It was, it was kind of this buffet line of all these different things that somehow over the years have managed to fall under this kind of umbrella of what we call ufology. And this was given to people who are not current, you know, standing politicians who are paid money to sit there and listen to it. And it was a scattered, scattergun approach. Let's just throw as much different stuff at them and see what sticks. And I don't think, in my opinion, with respect to the people who were there, some of them dear friends of mine, Richard Dolan, Steve Bassett. I like him a lot and I, I commend him for the work he does, but but we need a slightly less scattered approach, like you say, Gogs, if we're going to convince anybody about what we're doing. And frankly, it's, it's a shame that we have to pay people who are no longer actually representatives to listen to such you know scattered, I won't call it nonsense because it's not all nonsense, but it's certainly not a, the best presentation of the information that we could have given. I think some of the people who are there, though, are some of the best presenters on this. It's just I think we need a more systematized, uh, logical procedure in how we present that. We're, we're never going to move forward truly if, if we don't do that. Well, I, I've got to jump in here. Uh, to have Paul Hellyer sum up the entire proceedings with the final comments and then read out of Jim Sparks' book uh, a verbatim conversation that Sparks claims uh, he had with uh, ETs and how, let's get real, Jim Sparks, uh, I don't really think has uh, the kind of credibility that would, to me, uh, warrant being quoted to sum up 
a very, I think, groundbreaking in many ways uh, event like the citizen hearings. Unfortunately, you know, you have this whole idea that anything that anybody says out there can be used to support some sort of uh, conclusion that you've come to in your own mind. And unfortunately, to have him quote Jim Sparks' ET conversation to sum up the entire proceedings, to me, it just trash the whole thing in my mind. And if I hadn't been working there, I would have jumped up and said something in, in indignation, believe me. Well, it certainly wasn't the best representation of, of material that could appear at an event otherwise uh, as well-planned and coordinated as the citizens hearing was. And I know that there are people out there who won't agree with me and things I've said. I'm, I always try to be a gentleman because I don't believe that most situations when it comes to intellectual debate really warrant just being snarky and rude and derisive toward people. I have tremendous respect for people who I do not agree with in this field, but I, I do think also that if we hope to move beyond this so-called field of ufology, the so-called movement of ufology, we do have to represent ourselves a little better and, and little, at least try and be all on the same page if we're going to do it. That may never happen, but maybe that is the reason for, as some have called, uh, the end of ufology. I'm on the fence about it myself. I'm not saying we should stop researching UFOs, but I think maybe that we need to be careful about what we call UFO research. Yeah, and I agree. And that kind of leads us to uh, this next topic, and that is whether we're seeing a division of ufology into two separate sort of camps or categories. You have your true believers kind of creating religious belief around this subject, and then you have the invisible college types who are taking their their research and their investigative work underground out of uh, sight of the public uh, mind and out of their pub public consciousness and attempting to do quality research privately and uh, on, on, on the QT. I really see that. I, I think uh, serious ufology is going to become less visible and you're going to have this this pop culture sort of religious fervor that's going to, you know, I think really coalesce around itself. And we see that with, with people such as uh, James Gilliland up at Trout Lake, Stephen Greer, Michael Horn, uh, blowing his particular horn about the Billy Meyer case. It's the people that are willing to suspend the disbelief that are almost viewing this subject, I think, in, in, in almost a religious uh, way. And then you have your serious investigators and researchers who are, who are actually going underground with their work. I have been for quite some time actually been quietly making strides uh, in a hard data monitoring uh, scenario. And what do you guys think? I mean, uh, should we just separate it out and have, you know, the true believers uh, kind of have their own little <laughs> thing? No. And what do you Chris, think? What, well, Chris, what about there's kind of like two ways it, it could be underground, as, as you put it, and as I said in the article, and you've got the, the Bigelow way. You know, I want to have the last say on this information. It won't be made public. And then you've got maybe what you did yourself, just, you know, working away on your own. You're not trying to keep data from anyone, but you're not going out there shouting from the rooftops. Gogs Mackay joining us with our special guests, Micah Hanks and Gene and Chris. With Gene and Chris, you're in The Podcast. Free from the shackles of corporate America, we're the place for independent thinkers. GCN. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. 
A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Summertime is save big time at Herbal Healer Academy. Long-term customers know summer is the time to stock up at herbalhealer.com. And for new customers, welcome to the web's best place to save on vitamins, minerals, and more. Log on for summer specials, including all sizes of colloidal silver, colloidal minerals, and intestinal freedom on sale. Choose from Herbal Healer's great variety of weight loss products like apple cider vinegar, hudia, and metabolic complex and pro-metabolic, all on sale now. Also, the anti-parasite intestinal freedom and wormwood plus complex, plus stevia liquid sweetener and the super enzymes, all on sale for summer at herbalhealer.com. As always, we offer certificate correspondence courses in natural medicine. Enjoy same-day shipping and free online newsletter. Log on now to HerbalHealer.com and look for summer specials to save big with our nation's leader in supplying quality natural medicine and education. Since 1988, Herbal Healer Academy. At 30dayfoodsupply.com, you can now purchase a one-of-a-kind product not available anywhere else. A meatless burger dry mix in four delicious flavors. With our new Oregon Trail Foods vegan burgers, all you do is add water and fry. They need no refrigeration. They're packaged in Mylar bags with an oxygen absorber for a long shelf life. They're non-GMO. They're gluten, soy, nut, and chemical-free, but they're loaded with flavor. And a good source of carbs and protein, yet low in sodium. Flavors include Italian, spicy Mexican, six vegetable and black bean olive go to 30dayfoodsupply.com or call 541-229-0010 and order today eat them every day take them camping or save them for an emergency check them out at 30dayfoodsupply.com and click on the vegan burger icon that's 30dayfoodsupply.com where all of our products are produced in oregon by oregon trail foods 30dayfoodsupply.com The Genesis Communications Network is one of America's premier broadcasters of captivating talk radio. We thank you for listening. Now, just imagine, there are thousands of people who are just as passionate about radio as you are. But what you may not realize is how easy and affordable it is to advertise with us. Radio commercials for your business could be heard on hundreds of radio stations across the U.S. every day. We can help you by creating an effective radio advertising campaign for your company. From script writing to producing your commercials, Just like the one you're listening to right now. No other network provides the level of customer service we do. When it comes to radio advertising, we are your one-stop shop. And no matter how big or small your business is, we can help. Email us and advertise at GCNlive.com. And an experienced advertising executive will help you take the first step towards driving more customers to your business or website. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. 
This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. This is our final segment on the Paracast with Micah Hanks, Goggs Mackay, and Gene and Chris. Micah had a comment, Chris, you had a response about doing your own quiet research away from prying eyes. Well, I, I think Ray Stanford really uh, has influenced me in this way that you uh, you don't give progress reports as you're doing work. You you get to a point where you think you have something that's that's worthy and then you publish it or you uh, you in some sort of form, then you present this work. Uh, unfortunately, there's too much of too much shouting from the rooftops, I think, uh, as as Goggs, I think, very succinctly put it uh, in the field. And, and when you're trying to you know, somehow get the involvement of academia and the scientific community, you, you've you got to do it correctly in a way that they feel comfortable, uh, you know, becoming involved uh, in. And, and unfortunately, you know, we're seeing this type of, of privatization of, of data with, with Bigelow and uh, probably others. Joe Firmage uh, comes to mind where these individuals are for their own particular reasons and using their own rationale are trying to vacuum cleaner up data in almost a selfish kind of way um i think and and i do i I do commend bigelow for allowing nids to publish some very very important papers uh before that that uh particular organization went defunct but but i i do think this whole idea of an invisible college, uh, as Jacques Vallée uh, coined the term, I think that this is this is where we're going to see the most potential for for moving the field forward, out of the uh, prying eyes of the media and out of the prying eyes of the true believer crowd. And I, I, I really do see serious ufology splitting off from the more of the religious aspects of this. Yeah, well said, Chris, and thank you for that, by the way. Um, you know, this this has been such an enlightening discussion for me, hearing the different perspectives about all this. And, uh, you know, I think that, again, it, it, maybe it's important to, to define when we say underground what we mean. Uh, underground meaning below the mainstream uh, approach or, or belief-oriented UFO, quote-unquote, movement, you know, because when you've got something taking place in a laboratory or a garage, you know, or even during a discussion on a podcast like this, it's not ancient aliens you know it's not hangar one it's not one of these programs and there may be good information that are provided on those programs from time to time too i don't think that's always the case i think it's you know you know six to one half a dozen another but the thing is is that i think that the idea of the invisible college the idea of an underground component to this is what is going beneath the mainstream kind of watered down ufo that unfortunately the the harshest critics of ufo phenomenon are going after as though that were the best representation of the research. It's simply not. And I'll say this also uh, with regard to Robert Bigelow. I too uh, find it uh, interesting and, and uh, you know, and I do appreciate that there's someone out there who takes seriously enough UFO phenomenon that he, you know, that he wants to put money behind it as he did with MUFON. By the same token, he also seems to want to keep secret from the public a lot of what he finds. Why is that? A lot of people think that there's a conspiracy, you know, some sort of a government component to that. Maybe it's that what we already know about him. He's a businessman and he, you know, hopes to maybe engineer and re- or even innovate new technologies based on what he's observed with regard to UFOs. As a businessman, I, I would say, although I don't condone it per, per se, I can't fault him uh, for trying to go about doing certain things secretly if he is indeed trying to, from a business standpoint, become an innovator. I don't think anybody wants to let loose, you know, company secrets per se. And so maybe that's his situation too, but, but real good underground ufology 
is going to take understanding the areas of science that apply to what we call UFO research, um, trying to pull together a systematic and, and very well thought out, comprehensive presentation on what we call ufology and how best to proceed forward with it. And then I think that there has to be an openness. It can't be a, a matter of silence on this discussion. It can't be a matter of, well, you know, I'm going to keep my secrets and I'll pay certain organizations to do this or that for me, but they keep their own secrets too, as you know, in, in fairness, MUFON does. You have to have, I think, a certain rank as an investigator to be able to have access to all their case files. Was APRO like that or NICAP? You know, I mean, I think in the past, it seems to me that a lot more has been written. A lot of those case files have been made available, or at least books and things have been written about them. And, uh, you know, I think that that's what we need is the openness of that information so that it is available to people, much like science is, although, you know, really you have to pay for access to scientific journals just as well. So it's a hard thing to be able to get past the profit potential and get to a real true freedom. And I think what it requires fundamentally in order to do it is money. Maybe we should start a nonprofit for UFO research. That might be the only way we can do it, you know? <laughs> you know, maybe what we should be doing here is setting up a Kickstarter campaign, okay, for UFO research, fund the research, set up an organization to back it, and see what happens. Now, just parenthetically, we know that APRO and NICAP had different approaches mm -hmm. to UFO research and conclusions and didn't necessarily get along, <laughs> which is part of it. Of course, originally MUFON started off as a splinter of APRO. It descended from APRO, as many people know. And today, I think my problem with MUFON is it's too much trying to become mainstream commercial. And that's why you have people like a Stephen Bassett headlining a session being awarded and honored which i think is downright absurd because it's telling us that there's no need for further research let's just be evangelists for the subject and that's preposterous what do you think we have about two minutes left or three minutes so we're rushing you here okay we'll make it quick then well you know i think that there's definitely a preposterous element to it and again the entire point with my article uh, and that's not at grayley and report that one is at micahanks.com but you know, a lot of contents at the other side, too, just as well. And in that article, the primary point is, you know, it's not a matter of attacking people, you know, or disagreeing with people. It's just a, rec a recognition of the fact that most who do attack the field of study we call ufology, whether or not you like that term, most of those people, I think, are attacking the wrong things. They're attacking television shows, conferences, and also the kind of industrial component to all this, or, you know, the, the, the industry that surrounds ufology. And that is not necessarily the research. If they were looking at the research, they might have a different opinion on ufology on the whole. Okay, very quickly, Micah Hanks, is there a way to just throw everything out and start again? Or can we accomplish today getting this set up so that we have a place where researchers can go without having to pick up the baggage of the past? A difficult question. I never think we should throw everything out. I think sometimes we need to, as the old you know, Asian proverb says, we should unlearn and maybe empty our cups so that we can make room for warm tea. But, uh, but I think that we need to look carefully at what we have had before us rather than throw it all out and try and be more discerning with what we you know, lend to the future of, of the study. Well, we only have to see if we get anywhere or whether this field will continue for the next 60 years with very little accomplished, very little to say, except for people getting together, evangelizing the subject. And if they're not evangelizing the subject, debating, yelling at each other, and not really getting to a final answer. Of course, it's also, as they say, convenient for people to believe the government knows the answers. This way, they don't have to do anything. We don't have to learn what UFOs are. The government knows. 
Let's get them to disclose what they know, and we'll all be comforted by the fact, regardless of what they know, we can take it. That's kind of the approach I think Donald Kehoe took, especially in the early years when he was getting started with NICAP, because to him, NICAP's goal was to get the congressional hearings and the public admission of UFO reality. We saw how that turned out. Micah Hanks, please tell our listeners where we can find more of the stuff that you do. Absolutely. Well, GraleyanReport.com, that's G-R-A-L-I-E-N, report, and then my uh, name, MicahHanks.com. Those are my two websites. There's a podcast that I put out each week, as well as a radio show on the KGRA Radio Network on Monday nights. And and yes, Gene, my final word, thank you for what you said because in the, in the last statement, because if we hope that somebody else has the answers and that we don't have to do the research ourselves, that is fundamentally intellectual laziness. By the way, if you want to get a free copy of one of Chris's best books, Secrets of the Mysterious Valley, huge ebook, okay? Electronic book. Here's how to do it. Go to thepowercast.com. That's thepowercast.com. And there's a big form there to sign up for the weekly Paracast newsletter. So since we get your email address, we'll send out that book to you, okay? And by the way, those of you who are already subscribers and resent this, Write me a message, and I'll take care of it for you, okay? And Chris can be found also at OurStrangePlanet.com. OurStrangePlanet.com, our friendly guest co-host, Gogs Mackay, he can be found lurking at forum.thepowercast.com. You can also find us on Twitter, where we are known as The Paracast. We are The Paracast on Twitter. And if you go to Facebook, you'll find two, two Paracast fan clubs and they've got structure there, so we can't really merge them without killing all the contents for one. Isn't that weird? Gogs, thanks for being aboard. And Micah Hanks, thank you for joining us on the Paracast. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. The Paracast. Featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast. <laughs>